Letter to shareholders. Pinduoduo is not a conventional company. We founded Pinduoduo when the China market accepted the status quo of the existing e-commerce landscape and thought its formative phase had come to an end. Within three years, Pinduoduo has attracted over 300 million active buyers and over 1 million merchants through a new shopping format and experience. This exponential growth shows unlimited potential of our platform. As our three-year-old platform is still burgeoning, we know we face many obvious challenges and uncertainties ahead. Hence, why are we bringing Pinduoduo into the ebbs and flows of the capital markets so soon? We'd appreciate you hearing our thoughts in this letter. We think the e-commerce business is closely tied with social impacts and responsibilities, and therefore its growth and value should be shared with the public. We believe in the tremendous potential of our platform, therefore, if we take a long-term view, there is no difference for our listing in three years, five years or longer. On the contrary, with public scrutiny and regulatory supervision, we may grow better and stronger, and we envision Pinduoduo to be an organization that reports to the public. It should create value for the public, rather than being a show-off trophy for a few or carrying too much personal color. We want it to be an independent organization that brings value to the society with its unique organizational structure and corporate culture. Most importantly, it should continue to strive to better itself. Now as the founder, I would like to give you more color on my observation and vision for Pinduoduo so as to give you a more concrete understanding of the company you are investing into. What does Pinduoduo do? Pinduoduo dedicates itself to creating a commingled space between cyberspace and physical space, where users can find the most value for money merchandise that meet their different needs and derive happiness. Pinduoduo leverages a platform and an ecosystem comprised of hundreds of millions of users, merchants, platform management personnel slash operators and platform infrastructure slash service providers, while each player is interdependent with one another, all of them evolve and improve as they constantly try to balance cost-effectiveness, efficiency, user experience and satisfaction. Pinduoduo's survival depends on the value it creates for its users. I hope our team wakes up feeling anxious every day, never because of share price volatilities, but because of their constant fear of users departing if we are unable to anticipate and meet users' changing needs, and Pinduoduo is dedicated to investing in the future and will always focus on the long term. It might appear too aggressive or too conservative at times. However, it always follows the basic and simple principle, growing its long-term intrinsic value. Company value. Pinduoduo's core value is graphic, Ben Fen. It is difficult to express it perfectly in English, but it essentially means to adhere firmly to one's own duties and principles. There are several layers of meaning here. Be honest and trustworthy. Discharge our own duties and responsibilities regardless of others' conduct. Insulate our mind. Never take advantage of others even when we are in a position to do so. Self-reflect and take responsibilities when problems arise instead of blaming others. Specifically for Pinduoduo, the management's graphic, Ben Fen, is to relentlessly focus on value creation for our consumers. We may not always be understood, but we always do things out of goodwill and do no evil. Going forward. In the past three years, Pinduoduo has established and promoted a new e-commerce concept and experience of team purchase, or graphic, PIN. We can reasonably expect that it would evolve into a variety of PIN formats. We also hope that other innovative formats for different user scenarios will be created just like how we have created PIN today. If you close your eyes and visualize the next stage for Pinduoduo, it would be an exemplification of a multidimensional space, seamlessly integrating cyberspace and the physical space. It would be a combination of Costco and Disneyland, value for money and entertainment combined, driven by a distributed network of intelligence agents, 
versus the popular superbrain-like centralized AI system. It not only matches information efficiently, but also constantly puts the social interactions of the universe into consideration to make the entire experience more enjoyable. As part of the process to constantly meet users' needs, we are highly aligned to be the driving force to improve the efficiency and quality of the supply chain. One good example would be the agricultural industry. China has relatively less arable land per capita given its population and landscape. This is different from countries like the United States, where large-scale farms are prevalent, and the production and transportation of agricultural products could be highly industrialized. We find PIN an effective solution to aggregate consumer demand, match them with batches of agricultural produce, and mobilize China's well-penetrated and affordable logistics capability to have perishable and fresh produce shipped directly from farms to users and bypass multiple layers of distribution. This not only enhances user experience, but more importantly, helps to turn small-scale agriculture production of different quality, variety, and volume into a semi-customized batch processing mechanism. It lowers the unnecessary costs of agricultural consumption and potentially makes small-scale customized services viable. The social impact and value to our society would far exceed our business success or the perceived valuation of the company. We are excited by the small impact we see today, and think this would be a trend even beyond agriculture. Appreciation for our investors We are grateful to those who are willing to invest in Pinduoduo after reading through the utopian ideas above. It is not easy to take the leap of faith believing in such an unconventional company, which strives to meet both economic and social needs of users, and to make a positive impact to the society. The pursuit and focus of our long-term vision and intrinsic value may not always translate into near-term profits. Instead, we hope to show you the true colors of our company no matter how bumpy or rough the numbers may seem to be. We ask you to ride the journey with us for the long term. We believe it will be wonderful. So, what should you expect from Pinduoduo as an investor? First of all, you can reasonably believe that we are far from the best we could achieve. In fact, we are probably at our most rudimentary level of services now if we look forward in 10 years' time. Yet, many of our users have chosen to believe in us. We are encouraged and have every reason to believe that as we work hard day after day to improve our services, more and more users will stick with us, believe in us. Secondly, you should expect a team with passion that is trustworthy and always focuses on serving users and our company's intrinsic value. We have the courage and the ability to invest in long-term opportunities. Pinduoduo, as a growing organization, will always dedicate itself to do the right things, to create value for our society, and to make this world a better and happier place. Colin Jung Huang On behalf of Pinduoduo Prospectus Summary The following summary is qualified in its entirety by and should be read in conjunction with, the more detailed information and financial statements appearing elsewhere in this prospectus. In addition to this summary, we urge you to read the entire prospectus carefully, especially the risks of investing in our ads as discussed under risk factors, before deciding whether to buy our ads as. This prospectus contains estimates and information concerning our industry, including market position, market size and growth rates of the markets in which we participate, that are based on publicly available industry publications and reports. Our industry involves a high degree of uncertainty and risk due to a variety of factors, including those described in the risk factors section. These and other factors could cause results to differ materially from those expressed in these publications and reports. Our business. We are an innovative and fast-growing new e-commerce platform that provides buyers with value-for-money merchandise and fun and interactive shopping experiences. Our Pinduoduo mobile platform offers a comprehensive selection of attractively priced merchandise, 
featuring a dynamic social shopping experience that leverages social networks as an effective and efficient tool for buyer acquisition and engagement. As a result of our innovative business model, we have been able to quickly expand our buyer base and establish our brand recognition and market position. We are one of the leading Chinese e-commerce players in terms of GMV and the number of total orders. Our GMV in 2017 and the 12-month period ended June 30, 2018 was RMB 141.2 billion and RMB 262.1 billion, 41.8 billion US dollars, respectively. In 2017 and the first quarter of 2018, the number of total orders placed on our Pinduoduo mobile platform reached 4.3 billion and 1.7 billion, respectively. We pioneered an innovative team purchase model on our platform. Buyers can access our platform and make team purchases by either visiting our platform directly or through popular social networks, such as Wixen and QQ. They are encouraged to share product information on such social networks, and invite their friends, family and social contacts to form a shopping team to enjoy the more attractive prices available under the team purchase option. As a result, buyers on our platform actively introduce us to and share products offered on our platform and their shopping experiences with their friends, family and social contacts. New buyers in turn refer our platform to their broader family and social networks, generating low-cost organic traffic and active interactions and leading to exponential growth of our buyer base. In the 12-month periods ended December 31, 2017 and June 30, 2018, the number of active buyers on our platform reached 245 million and 344 million, respectively. Our large and highly active buyer base has helped attract merchants to our platform, and the scale of our sales volume has encouraged merchants to offer even more competitive pricing and customized products and services to buyers, thus forming a virtuous cycle. In the 12-month period ended March 31, 2018, we had over 1 million active merchants on our platform, offering a broad range of product categories. Our team purchase model has transformed online shopping into a dynamic social experience. We have consciously built our platform to resemble a virtual bazaar where buyers browse and explore a full spectrum of products on our platform while interacting with one another. In contrast to the conventional search-based inventory index model, our platform brings out the fun and excitement of discovery and shopping. This embedded social element has fostered a highly engaged user base. In the 12-month periods ended December 31, 2017 and March 31, 2018, Average monthly active users for our mobile app were 65 million and 103 million, respectively. Technology and innovation are at the core of our company. The strong and extensive technology background of our senior management team has led us to the forefront of the e-commerce industry. We have developed our own proprietary technology infrastructure that seamlessly connects our platform with buyers and merchants and supports our business growth. In addition, we have focused on developing our technological strengths in big data analytics, artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities to efficiently design, manage and operate the services and solutions on our platform. We have experienced substantial growth since our inception in 2015. In addition to our marketplace services, we also operated an online direct sales business from which we derived a substantial majority of our revenues from 2015 to 2016. This business no longer generates revenues after we fully transitioned into our current marketplace model in the first quarter of 2017. We currently generate revenues primarily from online marketplace services. Our revenues grew from RMB 504.9 million in 2016 to RMB 1,744.1 million, 278.0 million US dollars in 2017, and grew from RMB 37.0 million in the three months ended March 31, 2017 to RMB 1,384.6 million, 220.7 million US dollars 
in the same period in 2018. We incurred net loss of RMB 292.0 million and RMB 525.1 million, 83.7 million US dollars, in 2016 and 2017, respectively. We incurred net loss of RMB 201.0 million, 32.0 million US dollars, in the three months ended March 31, 2018, compared to net loss of RMB 207.7 million in the three months ended March 31, 2017. Our industry. The total retail sales of consumer goods in China increased from RMB 24.3 trillion, 3.9 trillion US dollars, in 2013 to RMB 36.6 trillion, 5.8 trillion US dollars, in 2017, according to the National Bureau of Statistics of China, or NBS. China's retail market is expected to continue to experience strong growth, and the overall retail market size expected to exceed RMB 48.0 trillion, 7.7 trillion US dollars, in 2020, according to the Ministry of Commerce's 13th five-year plan for domestic trade. Online shopping has been embraced by consumers in China and grown at an even faster rate. According to our research, China's online retail market has increased from RMB 1.9 trillion, 0.3 trillion US dollars, in 2013 to RMB 6.1 trillion, 1.0 trillion US dollars, in 2017, representing a compound annual growth rate, or CAGR, of 33.9%, and is projected to reach RMB 10.8 trillion, 1.7 trillion US dollars, by 2020. At the same time, China's online shopping population grew from 302 million in 2013 to 533 million out of 753 million mobile internet users in 2017, according to China Internet Network Information Center, ORCNIC. We believe that the following trends are driving the continued growth of China's e-commerce industry and are reshaping its future form. First, Mobile shopping has become the dominant form of online retail in China, as consumers increasingly use their fragmented time to browse and shop anywhere, anytime. Second, the extensive logistics infrastructure and wide adoption of mobile payment have made mobile shopping increasingly efficient and convenient. Third, lower-tier cities in China have become an increasingly important market for e-commerce due to the rising spending power and a desire for a better standard of living. Fourth, there is a massive base of small and micro-enterprises which could benefit from more direct access to consumers. Fueled by these powerful trends, a new form of e-commerce, which is referred to as new e-commerce, is emerging. We believe that new e-commerce has the following key characteristics. Spontaneous shopping. The convenience of mobile shopping and payment presents an opportunity for merchants to continuously connect with consumers and enable consumers to make purchases. This creates a multitude of new consumption scenarios and greatly enables consumers to shop anywhere, anytime. Deepened understa. Social element in shopping behavior. Young generations in China are native users of mobile internet and social networks and are familiar with using internet in nearly every aspect of their lives, including sharing information and experiences and socializing, which has permeated into their shopping behavior. Enhanced supply chain management. The massive volume of data generated from a large number of transactions could be utilized to allow manufacturers to achieve more efficient manufacturing and inventory planning and to substantially reduce intermediary costs incurred. Our strengths. We believe that the following strengths contribute to our success and differentiate us from our competitors. Innovative new e-commerce platform with rapid growth. Value for money merchandise with a strong focus on quality control. Highly active buyer base cultivated by a fun and interactive shopping experience. Strong commitment to technology, and experienced management team with extensive technology and operational background. Our strategies. 
we intend to pursue the following growth strategies. Increase our buyer base and engagement. Expand merchandise choices and offerings. Enhance brand recognition and continue to adhere to strict quality control. Further improve technology capability. Pursue select strategic investment and expansion opportunities, and attract and retain talents. Our challenges. Our ability to execute our strategies is subject to risks and uncertainties, including those relating to our ability to maintain the growth that we have experienced to date. Better understand buyer needs and provide products and services to attract and retain buyers. Maintain and enhance the recognition and reputation of our brand. Rely on merchants and third-party logistics service providers to provide delivery services to our buyers. Continue growing our buyer base. Maintain and further improve our quality control policies and measures. Comply with evolving PRC laws and regulations. Compete effectively. Establish in my. Maintain proper functioning of our technology infrastructure, and. Protect data and confidential information of buyers, merchants and our network against security breaches. Implication of being an emerging growth company. As a company with less than 1.07 billion US dollars in revenue for our last fiscal year, we qualify as an emerging growth company pursuant to the Jumpstart Our Business Startups Act of 2012, as amended, or the Jobs Act. An emerging growth company may take advantage of specified reduced reporting and other requirements compared to those that are otherwise applicable generally to public companies. These provisions include exemption from the auditor attestation requirement under Section 404 of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002 in the assessment of the emerging growth company's internal control over financial reporting. The Jobs Act also provides that an emerging growth company does not need to comply with any new or revised financial accounting standards until such date that a private company is otherwise required to comply with such new or revised accounting standards. We will remain an emerging growth company until the earliest of a. The last day of the fiscal year during which we have total annual gross revenues of at least 1.07 billion US dollars. b. The last day of our fiscal year following the fifth anniversary of the completion of this offering. c. The date on which we have, during the preceding three-year period, issued more than 1.00 billion US dollars in non-convertible debt, or b. The date on which we are deemed to be a large accelerated filer under the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, as amended, or the Exchange Act, which would occur if the market value of our ads is that are held by non-affiliates exceeds 700 million US dollars as of the last business day of our most recently completed second fiscal quarter. Once we cease to be an emerging growth company, we will not be entitled to the exemptions provided in the Jobs Act discussed above. Risk factors. An investment in our ads involves significant risks. You should carefully consider all of the information in this prospectus, including the risks and uncertainties described below before making an investment in our ads. Any of the following risks could have a material adverse effect on our business, financial condition and results of operations. In any such case, the market price of our ads could decline, and you may lose all or part of your investment. Risks related to our business and industry. Our limited operating history makes it difficult to evaluate our business and prospects. We cannot guarantee that we will be able to maintain the growth rate that we have experienced to date. We commenced our commercial operations in 2015, and have a limited operating history. The numbers of our active buyers and active merchants have grown exponentially, and reached approximately 295 million and over 1 million, respectively, in the 12-month period ended March 31, 2018. 
Our revenues increased by 245.5% from RMB 504.9 million in 2016 to RMB 1,744.1 million, 278.0 million US dollars, in 2017, and increased exponentially from RMB 37.0 million in the three months ended March 31, 2017 to RMB 1,384.6 million, 220.7 million US dollars, in the three months ended March 31, 2018. However, our historical performance may not be indicative of our future growth or financial results. We cannot assure you that we will be able to grow at the same rate as we did in the past, or avoid any decline in the future. Our growth may slow down or become negative, and revenues may decline for a number of possible reasons, some of which are beyond our control, including decreasing consumer spending, increasing competition, declining growth of our overall market or industry, the emergence of alternative business models, changes in rules, regulations, government policies or general economic conditions. In addition, our online marketing services, from which we have generated almost all of our revenue since 2017, are a relatively new initiative and may not grow as quickly as we have anticipated. It is difficult to evaluate our prospects, as we may not have sufficient experience in addressing the risks to which companies operating in rapidly evolving markets may be exposed. If our growth rate declines, investors' perceptions of our business and prospects may be materially and adversely affected and the market price of our ads could decline. You should consider our prospects in light of the risks and uncertainties that companies with a limited operating history may encounter. If we fail to anticipate buyer needs and provide products and services to attract and retain buyers, or fail to adapt our services or business model to changing buyer needs or emerging industry standards, our business may be materially and adversely affected. The e-commerce market in which we operate as well as buyer needs and preferences are constantly evolving. As a result, we must continuously respond to changes in the market and buyer demand and preferences to remain competitive, grow our business and maintain our market position. We intend to further diversify our product and service offerings to add to our revenue sources in the future. New products and services, new types of buyers or new business models may involve risks and challenges we do not currently face. For example, from 2015 to the first quarter of 2017, we also operated an online direct sales business under the name of Pinhohuo for certain categories of merchandise such as fresh produce and other perishable products. During the time when we operated Pinhohuo, we also operated our current marketplace model and completed the transition into our current business model in the first quarter of 2017. Any similar new initiatives may require us to devote significant financial and management resources and may not perform as well as expected. Furthermore, we may have difficulty in anticipating buyer demand and preferences, and the products offered on our platform may not be accepted by the market or be rendered obsolete or uneconomical. Therefore, any inability to adapt to these changes may result in a failure to capture new buyers or retain existing buyers, the occurrence of which would materially and adversely affect our business, financial condition and results of operations. In addition, to remain competitive, we must continue to enhance and improve the responsiveness, functionality and features of our platform. The internet and the e-commerce markets are characterized by rapid technological evolution, changes in buyer requirements and preferences, frequent introductions of new products, features and services embodying new technologies and the emergence of new industry standards and practices, any of which could render our existing technologies and systems obsolete. Our success will depend, in part, on our ability to identify, develop and adapt to new technologies useful in our business, and respond to technological advances and emerging industry standards and practices, in particular with respect to mobile internet, in a cost-effective and timely way. We cannot assure you that we will be successful in these efforts.
Any harm to our brand or reputation may materially and adversely affect our business and results of operations. We believe that the recognition and reputation of our Pinduoduo or graphic brand among our buyers, merchants and third-party service providers have contributed significantly to the growth and success of our business. Maintaining and enhancing the recognition and reputation of our brand are critical to our business and competitiveness. Many factors, some of which are beyond our control, are important to maintaining and enhancing our brand. These factors include our ability to provide a superior shopping experience to buyers, maintain the popularity, attractiveness, diversity, quality and authenticity of our product offerings, maintain the efficiency, reliability and quality of the fulfillment and delivery services to our buyers, maintain or improve buyer satisfaction with our after-sale services, increase brand awareness through marketing and brand promotion activities, and Preserve our reputation and goodwill in the event of any negative publicity on consumer experience or merchant service, internet and data security, product quality, price or authenticity, or other issues affecting us or other e-commerce businesses in China. Public perception that counterfeit, unauthorized, illegal or infringing products are sold on our platform or that we or merchants on our platform do not provide satisfactory consumer services, even if factually incorrect or based on isolated incidents, could damage our reputation, diminish the value of our brand, undermine the trust and credibility we have established and have a negative impact on our ability to attract new buyers or retain our current buyers. If we are unable to maintain our reputation, enhance our brand recognition or increase positive awareness of our platform, products and services, it may be difficult to maintain and grow our buyer base, and our business and growth prospects may be materially and adversely affected. Our merchants use a variety of third-party logistics service providers. Service interruptions, failures, or constraints of these logistics service providers could severely harm our business and prospects. The merchandises on our platform are supplied and shipped directly from our merchants to our buyers. Our merchants use third-party logistics service providers to fulfill and deliver their orders. Interruptions to or failures in third-party logistics services could prevent timely and successful delivery of the ordered products to our buyers. As we do not directly control or manage the operations of these third-party logistics service providers, we may not be able to guarantee their performance. Any failure to provide satisfactory services to our buyers, such as delays in delivery, product damage or product loss during transit, may damage our reputation and cause us to lose buyers, and may ultimately adversely affect our results of operations. In addition, certain of these third-party logistics service providers may be influenced by our competitors when providing services to us. For example, if third-party logistics service providers raise the shipping rates for delivering products of merchants on our platform, our merchants may not be willing to bear the increased costs or be able to offer competitive prices for products on our platform. As a result, our business and prospects, as well as our financial condition and results of operations could be materially and adversely affected. If the third-party logistics service providers used by our merchants fail to deliver products to our buyers on time or deliver products in good conditions, our buyers may refuse to accept merchandises purchased on our platform and have less confidence in our platform. In such event, we cannot assure you that our merchants will be able to find alternative cost-efficient logistics service providers to offer satisfactory delivery services in a timely manner, or at all, which could cause our business and reputation to suffer or cause merchants to move to other platforms and have negative impact on our financial conditions. Any change, disruption, discontinuity and the features and functions of major social networks could severely limit our ability to continue growing our buyer base, and our business may be materially and adversely affected. 
Our success depends on our ability to attract and retain new buyers and expand our buyer base. Acquiring and retaining buyers on our platform is important to the growth and profitability of our business. We leverage social networks as a tool for buyer acquisition and engagement. Although buyers can access our platform and make team purchases without using social networks, we leverage social networks, such as Wixen and QQ, to enable buyers to share product information and their purchase experiences with their friends, family and other social contacts to generate low-cost organic traffic and active interactions among buyers. A portion of our buyer traffic comes from such user recommendation or product introduction feature which buyers can share with friends or contacts through social networks. Due to the nature of our business model, which resembles a dynamic and interactive shopping experience, it is impracticable for us to accurately bifurcate and quantify the buyer traffic generated directly through our platform and through social networks. Therefore, during our daily operations, we focus more on the GMV on our platform as a whole in the seamless user experience across different access points, and believe that the final purchase destination cannot be used to reflect the significance of social networks and our Pinduoduo mobile app to our business operations. To the extent that we fail to leverage such social networks, our ability to attract or retain buyers may be severely harmed. If any of these social networks makes changes to its functions or support, such as charging fees for functions or support that is currently provided for free, or stops offering its functions or support to us, we may not be able to locate alternative platforms of similar scale to provide similar functions or support on commercially reasonable terms in a timely manner, or at all. Furthermore, we may fail to establish or maintain relationships with additional social network operators to support the growth of our business on economically viable terms, or at all. Any interruption to or discontinuation of our relationships with major social network operators may severely and negatively impact our ability to continue growing our buyer base, and any occurrence of the circumstances mentioned above may have a material adverse effect on our business, financial condition and results of operations. We face intense competition, and if we fail to compete effectively, we may lose market share, buyers and merchants. The e-commerce industry in China is intensely competitive. We compete to attract, engage and retain buyers, merchants, and other participants on our platforms. Our current or potential competitors include, I, major e-commerce companies in China, 2, major traditional and brick-and-mortar retailers. In China, 3, retail companies in China focused on specific product categories and, 4, major internet companies in China that do not operate e-commerce businesses now but may enter the e-commerce business area or are in the process of initiating their e-commerce businesses. These current or future competitors may have longer operating histories, greater brand recognition, better supplier or merchant relationships, stronger infrastructure, larger buyer bases or greater financial, technical or marketing resources than we do. Competitors may leverage their brand recognition, experience and resources to compete with us in a variety of ways, including making investments and acquisitions for the expansion of their product and service offerings. Some of our competitors may be able to secure more favorable terms from merchants, devote greater resources to marketing and promotional campaigns, adopt more aggressive pricing or inventory policies and devote substantially more resources to develop their IT systems and technology. Some of these competitors may also offer team purchase on their platforms or offer innovative purchase models that may turn out to be highly popular among buyers, and buyers may prefer them over our team purchase model. In addition, new and enhanced technologies may increase the competition in the market we operate in. Increased competition may reduce our profitability, market share, customer base and brand recognition. There can be no assurance that we will be able to compete successfully against current or future competitors, and such competitive pressures may have a material and adverse effect on our business, 
financial condition and results of operations. If we fail to maintain and expand our relationships with merchants, our revenues and results of operations will be harmed. We rely on our merchants to offer merchandises that appeal to our existing and potential buyers at attractive prices. Our ability to provide popular products on our platform at attractive prices depends on our ability to develop mutually beneficial relationships with our merchants. For example, we rely on our merchants to make available sufficient inventory and fulfill large volumes of orders in an efficient and timely manner to ensure our user experience. To date, our buyers and merchants have been increasing in parallel as a result of the powerful network effects of our platform. However, we may experience merchant attrition in the ordinary course of business resulting from several factors, such as losses to competitors, perception that marketing on our platform is ineffective, reduction in merchants' marketing budgets, and closures or bankruptcies of merchants. In addition, we may have disputes with merchants with respect to their compliance with our quality control policies and measures and the penalties imposed by us for violation of these policies or measures from time to time, which may cause them to be dissatisfied with our platform. If we experience significant merchant attrition, or if we are unable to attract new merchants, our revenues and results of operations may be materially and adversely affected. In addition, our agreements with merchants also typically do not restrict them from establishing or maintaining business relationships with our competitors. We cannot assure you that merchants will continue to offer merchandise on our platform if they are pressured to use only one platform to market their products. Any disruption to our IT systems could materially affect our ability to maintain the satisfactory performance of our IT systems and deliver consistent services to our buyers and merchants. The proper functioning of our IT systems is essential to our business. The satisfactory performance, reliability and availability of our IT systems are critical to our success, our ability to attract and retain buyers and our ability to maintain and deliver consistent services to our buyers and merchants. However, our technology infrastructure may fail to keep pace with increased sales on our platform, in particular with respect to our new product and service offerings, and therefore our buyers may experience delays as we seek to source additional capacity, which would adversely affect our results of operations as well as our reputation. Additionally, we must continue to upgrade and improve our technology infrastructure to support our business growth. However, we cannot assure you that we will be successful in executing these system upgrades, and the failure to do so may impede our growth. We currently rely on cloud services and servers operated by external cloud service providers to store our data, to allow us to analyze a large amount of data simultaneously and to update our buyer database and buyer profiles quickly. Any interruption or delay in the functionality of these external cloud service and server providers may materially and adversely affect the operations of our business. We may be unable to monitor and ensure high-quality maintenance and upgrade of our IT systems and infrastructure on a real-time basis, and buyers may experience service outages and delays in accessing and using our platform to place orders. In addition, we may experience surges in online traffic and orders associated with promotional activities and generally as we scale which can put additional demand on our platform at specific times. Our technology or infrastructure may not function properly at all times. Any system interruptions caused by telecommunications failures, computer viruses, hacking or other attempts to harm our systems that result in the unavailability or slowdown of our platform or reduced order fulfillment performance could reduce the volume of products sold and the attractiveness of product offerings on our platform. Our servers may also be vulnerable to computer viruses, physical or electronic break-ins and similar disruptions, which could lead to system interruptions, website or mobile app slowdown or unavailability, delays or errors in transaction processing, loss of data or the inability to accept and fulfill buyer orders. 
any of such occurrences could cause severe disruption to our daily operations. As a result, our reputation may be materially and adversely affected, our market share could decline and we could be subject to liability claims. We have incurred net losses in the past, and we may continue to incur losses in the future. We have incurred net losses since our inception. In 2016 and 2017, we had net loss of RMB 292.0 million and RMB 525.1 million, 83.7 million US dollars, respectively. We incurred net loss of RMB 201.0 million, 32.0 million US dollars, in the three months ended March 31, 2018, compared to net loss of RMB 207.7 million in the three months ended March 31, 2017. We cannot assure you that we will be able to generate net profits in the future. In addition, we expect our operating costs and expenses to increase in absolute amounts in the future due to, I, the continued expansion of our business operations, buyer base and merchant network, 2, the continued investment in technology infrastructure and network, 3, sales and marketing expenses as we continue to expand our buyer base, and, 4, the launch of new services, which may incur upfront costs, change our existing revenue and cost structures, and affect our ability to achieve profitability. Our ability to achieve profitability depends on our ability to, among other things, increase our number of active buyers, grow and diversify our merchant base, and optimize our cost structure. We may not be able to achieve any of the above. In particular, our sales and marketing expenses increased substantially from RMB 169.0 million in 2016 to RMB 1,344.6 million, 214.4 US dollars, in 2017 and increased from RMB 73.9 million in the three months ended March 31, 2017 to RMB 1,217.5 million, 194.1 million US dollars, in the three months ended March 31, 2018, primarily attributable to an increase in advertising expenses and expenses related to promotional activities. If we continue to incur substantial marketing expenses without being able to achieve the anticipated buyer and merchant growth, our operating results may be materially and adversely affected. As a result, we may fail to improve our operating margin, and may continue to incur net losses in the future. In addition, our ability to use our net losses to offset future taxable income may be subject to certain limitations, including limitations resulting from reorganization of our corporate structure and change of our primary operating entities. As such, we may not be able to fully utilize our net losses or at all, even if we were to achieve profitability. Our success depends on the continuing efforts of our key employees. If we fail to hire, retain and motivate our key employees, our business may suffer. Our future success is significantly dependent upon the continued service of our key executives and other key employees. If we lose the services of any member of our management or key personnel, we may not be able to locate suitable or qualified replacements, and may incur additional expenses to recruit and train new staff, which could severely disrupt our business and growth. Our founder and chief executive officer, Mr. Zheng Huang, and other management members are critical to our vision, strategic direction, culture and overall business success. If there is any internal organizational structure change or change in responsibilities for our management or key personnel, the operation of our business and our business prospects may be adversely affected. Our employees, including members of our management, may choose to pursue other opportunities. If we are unable to motivate or retain key employees, our business may be severely disrupted and our prospects could suffer. The increasing scale of our business also requires us to hire and retain a wide range of capable and experienced personnel and technology talents who can adapt to a dynamic, competitive and challenging business environment. 
Competition for talents is intense, and the availability of suitable and qualified candidates in China is limited. Competition for talents could cause us to offer higher compensation and other benefits to attract and retain them. Even if we were to offer higher compensation and other benefits, these individuals may not choose to join or continue to work for us. Any failure to attract or retain key management and personnel could severely disrupt our business and growth. If we are unable to manage our growth or execute our strategies effectively, our business and prospects may be materially and adversely affected. Our business has grown substantially since our inception, and we expect continued growth in our business, revenues and number of employees. We have significantly expanded our headcount and office facilities, and we anticipate that further expansion in certain areas and geographies will be required. This expansion increases the complexity of our operations and places a significant strain on our management, operational and financial resources. We must continue to hire, train and effectively manage new employees. If our new hires perform poorly or if we are unsuccessful in hiring, training, managing and integrating new employees, our business, financial condition and results of operations may be materially harmed. In addition, we plan to further establish relationships with more merchants to increase the product offerings on our platform. Such expansion may require us to introduce new products and work with a variety of additional merchants to address the evolving needs of our buyers. We may have limited or no experience for certain new product offerings, and our expansion into these new product offerings may not achieve broad buyer acceptance. These offerings may present new and difficult technological or operational challenges, and we may be subject to claims if buyers are not satisfied with the quality of the products or do not have satisfactory experiences in general. To effectively manage the expected growth of our operations and personnel, we will need to continue to improve our transaction processing, technological, operational and financial systems, policies, procedures and controls. All of these endeavors involve risks and will require significant management, financial and human resources. We cannot assure you that we will be able to effectively manage our growth or to implement our strategies successfully. If we are not able to manage our growth effectively, or at all, our business and prospects may be materially and adversely affected. We may incur liability for counterfeit, unauthorized, illegal, or infringing products sold or misleading information available on our platforms. Under our current marketplace model, all products offered on our platform are supplied by merchants, who are separately responsible for sourcing the products that are sold on our platform. In the 12-month period ended March 31, 2018, we had over 1 million active merchants on our platform, offering a broad range of product categories. We have been and may continue to be subject to allegations and lawsuits claiming that products listed or sold through our platform by third-party merchants are counterfeit, unauthorized, illegal, or otherwise infringe third-party copyrights, trademarks and patents or other intellectual property rights, or that content posted on our user interface contains misleading information on description of products and comparable prices. Although we have adopted strict measures to protect us against these potential liabilities, including proactively verifying the authenticity and authorization of products sold on our platform through working with brands and conducting offline investigations, immediately taking down any counterfeit or illegal products or misleading information found on our platform, and freezing the accounts of merchants in violation of the platform policies, these measures may not always be successful or timely. For example, in January 2018, we were required by the relevant government authorities to strengthen supervision on the qualifications of the distributors of publications on our platform and to respond effectively to claims of copyright infringement. We have taken a number of measures in accordance with such requirements including the implementation of a comprehensive system in reviewing and tracking the qualification status of the relevant merchants. 
We may implement further measures in an effort to eliminate infringing products on our platforms, including taking legal actions against merchants of counterfeit or infringing products, which may cause us to spend substantial additional resources or result in reduced revenues. In addition, these measures may not appeal to consumers, merchants or other participants on our platforms. A merchant whose account is suspended or terminated by us, regardless of our compliance with the applicable laws, rules and regulations, may have disputes with us and commence action against us for damages, make public complaints or engage in publicity campaigns against us. We may incur significant costs to defend against these activities, which could harm our business. In the event that counterfeit, illegal, unauthorized or infringing products are sold on our platform or infringing or misleading content is posted on our user interface, we could face claims or be imposed penalties. Counterfeit products sold on our platform may damage our reputation and cause buyers to refrain from making future purchases from us, which would materially and adversely affect our business operations and financial results. We have in the past received claims alleging the sales of defective, counterfeit or unauthorized items on our platform. Irrespective of the validity of such claims, we could incur significant costs and efforts in either defending against or settling such claims. If there is a successful claim against us, we might be required to pay substantial damages or refrain from further sale of the relevant products. Potential liabilities under PRC law for negligence in participating or assisting in infringement activities associated with counterfeit goods include injunctions to cease infringing activities, rectification, compensation, administrative penalties and even criminal liability. Moreover, the alleged sales of counterfeit products and third-party claims or administrative penalties related to them could result in significant negative publicity and our reputation could be severely damaged. In addition, certain merchants may post and sell on our platform products that may not be sold via e-commerce platform under relevant PRC regulation, such as prescription drugs and foreign currencies. Failure to identify and remove such products from our platform may subject us to liability and administrative penalties. Any of these events could have a material adverse effect on our business, results of operations or financial condition. Under our standard form agreements, we require our merchants to indemnify us for any losses we suffer or any costs that we incur due to any products sold by these merchants. However, we may not be able to successfully enforce our contractual rights and may need to initiate costly and lengthy legal proceedings in China to protect our rights. In addition to fraudulent transactions with legitimate buyers, merchants on our platform may engage in fictitious transactions with themselves or collaborate with third parties in order to artificially inflate their sales records and search results rankings. Such activity may frustrate other merchants by enabling the perpetrating merchants to be favored over legitimate merchants, and may harm buyers by misleading them to believe that a merchant is more reliable or trustworthy than the merchant actually is. This activity may also result in inflated GMV, total orders and other key metrics on our platform. Although we have implemented strict measures to detect and penalize merchants who engaged in fraudulent activities on our platform, there can be no assurance that such measures will be effective in preventing fraudulent transactions. Moreover, illegal, fraudulent or collusive activities by our employees could also subject us to liability or negative publicity. For instance, in early 2017, we found out that one of our employees had accepted payments from merchants attempting to receive preferential treatment on our platform, and we reported such behavior to the relevant government authorities. The employee was subsequently convicted of a criminal offense. Although we implement a zero-tolerance policy towards these activities and have not been charged with any wrongdoing, negative publicity and user sentiment resulting from similar incidents could severely diminish consumer confidence in us and the value of our brand, and would materially and adversely affect our business, financial condition and results of operations. 
we may be subject to claims under consumer protection laws, including health and safety claims and product liability claims, if property or people are harmed by the products and services sold on our platform. Additionally, new laws and regulations may impose additional requirements and other obligations on our business, which may materially and adversely affect our business, financial conditions and results of operations. The PRC government, media outlets and public advocacy groups have been increasingly focused on consumer protection in recent years. The products sold by third-party merchants on our platform may be defectively designed or manufactured, and offerings of defective products on our platform may expose us to liabilities associated with consumer protection laws. Operators of e-commerce platforms are subject to certain provisions of consumer protection laws even where the operator is not the manufacturer or provider of the products or services purchased by the consumer. For example, under applicable consumer protection laws in China, e-commerce platform operators may be held liable for consumer claims relating to damage if they are unable to provide consumers with the true name, address and contact details of merchants. In addition, if we do not take appropriate remedial action against merchants for actions they engage in that we know, or should have known, would infringe upon the rights and interests of consumers, we may be held jointly liable for infringement alongside the merchants. Moreover, applicable consumer protection laws in China provide that platforms will be held liable for failing to meet any undertakings that the platforms make to consumers with regard to products listed on their platforms. Furthermore, we are required to report to the State Administration for Market Regulation, formerly known as the State Administration for Industry and Commerce, or SAIC, or its local branches any violation of applicable laws, regulations or SAIC rules by merchants, such as sales of goods without proper license or authorization, and we are required to take appropriate remedial measures, including ceasing to provide services to the relevant merchants. We may also be held jointly liable with merchants who do not possess the proper licenses or authorizations to sell goods or sell goods that do not meet product standards. We do not maintain product liability insurance for products transacted on our platform, and our rights of indemnity from the merchants on our platform may not adequately cover us for any liability we may incur. Even unsuccessful claims could result in significant expenditure of funds and diversion of management time and resources, which could materially and adversely affect our business, financial condition and prospects. In addition, the PRC government authorities may continue to promulgate new laws, regulations and rules governing the e-commerce industry, tighten enforcement of existing laws, rules and regulations, and impose additional requirements and other obligations on our business. For example, the PRC government launched the legislative procedure for a law that regulates e-commerce platform operators in December 2013, and the third draft was reviewed by the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress and was published in June 2018. The latest draft proposes to impose a duty of reasonable care on e-commerce platform operators, which may require the e-commerce platform operators to be held jointly liable with merchants if they did not exercise reasonable care, or, with respect to products or services affecting consumers' life and health, failed to review the qualifications of merchants or take reasonable measures to safeguard the interests of the consumers. See Regulation, Regulations Relating to E-Commerce such new legislation and enforcement may result in additional compliance obligations and increased costs or place restrictions upon our current or future operations, and may materially and adversely affect our business, financial condition and results of operations. We may face challenges in expanding our product offerings. The merchants on our platform carry a wide range of products, including apparel, shoes, bags, mother and child care products, food and beverage, fresh produce, electronic appliances, furniture and household goods, cosmetics and other personal care items, sports and fitness items and auto accessories. 
Expansion into diverse new product categories and substantially increased number of products involve new risks and challenges. Our lack of familiarity with these products and lack of relevant buyer data relating to these products may make it more difficult for us to anticipate buyer demand and preferences and to inspect and control quality and ensure proper handling, storage and delivery by our merchants. Our merchants may experience higher return rates on new products, receive more buyer complaints about such products and face costly product liability claims as a result of selling such products, which would harm our brand and reputation as well as our financial performance. We may also be involved in disputes with the merchants in connection with these claims and complaints. As we broaden our product offerings, we will need to work with a large number of new merchants efficiently and establish and maintain mutually beneficial relationships with our existing and new merchants. To support our growth and our expansion, we will need to devote management, operating, financial and human resources which may divert our attention from existing businesses, incur upfront costs, and implement a variety of new and upgraded management, operating, financial and human resource systems, procedures and controls. There is no assurance that we will be able to implement all of these systems, procedures and control measures successfully or address the various challenges in expanding our future businesses and operations effectively. Tencent provides services to us in connection with various aspects of our operations. If such services become limited, restricted, curtailed or less effective or more expensive in any way or become unavailable to us for any reason, our business may be materially and adversely affected. We collaborate with Tencent, one of our principal shareholders and owner of Wixen and QQ, with respect to various aspects of our business, including our mini-program within Wixen, which serves as one of our access points to our platform, as well as services such as payment processing, advertising and cloud technology. We have entered into a strategic cooperation framework agreement with Tencent, pursuant to which we and Tencent have agreed to cooperate in a number of areas including payment solutions, cloud services and user engagement, and to explore and pursue additional opportunities for potential cooperation. See related party transactions, agreement and business cooperation with Tencent. If services provided by Tencent to us become limited, compromised, restricted, curtailed or less effective or become more expensive or unavailable to us for any reason, including the availability of our mini-program within Wixen, our business may be materially and adversely affected. We may also encounter difficulties in implementing the Strategic Cooperation Framework Agreement, which may divert significant management attention from existing business operations. Failure to maintain our relationship with Tencent could materially and adversely affect our business and results of operations. We rely on proper operation and maintenance of our mobile platform and internet infrastructure and telecommunications networks in China. Any malfunction, capacity constraint or operation interruption may have an adverse impact on our business. Currently, all of our sales of products are generated online through our Pinduoduo mobile platform. Therefore, the satisfactory performance, reliability and availability of our mobile platform are critical to our success and our ability to attract and retain buyers. Our business depends on the performance and reliability of the internet infrastructure in China. The reliability and availability of our mobile platform depends on telecommunications carriers and other third-party providers for communications and storage capacity, including bandwidth and server storage, among other things. If we are unable to enter into and renew agreements with these providers on acceptable terms, or if any of our existing agreements with such providers are terminated as a result of our breach or otherwise, our ability to provide our services to our buyers could be adversely affected. Access to internet in China is maintained through state-owned telecommunications carriers under administrative control, 
and we obtain access to end-user networks operated by such telecommunications carriers and internet service providers to give buyers access to our mobile platform. The failure of telecommunications network operators to provide us with the requisite bandwidth could also interfere with the speed and availability of our mobile platform. Service interruptions prevent buyers from accessing our mobile platform and placing orders, and frequent interruptions could frustrate buyers and discourage them from attempting to place orders, which could cause us to lose buyers and harm our operating results. We may engage in acquisitions, investments or strategic alliances in the future, which could require significant management attention and materially and adversely affect our business and results of operations. We may identify strategic partners to form strategic alliances, invest in or acquire additional assets, technologies or businesses that are complementary to our existing business. These investments may involve minority stakes in other companies, acquisitions of entire companies or acquisitions of selected assets. Any future strategic alliances, investments or acquisitions and the subsequent integration of the new assets and businesses obtained or developed from such transactions into our own may divert management from their primary responsibilities and subject us to additional liabilities. In addition, the costs of identifying and consummating investments and acquisitions may be significant. We may also incur costs and experience uncertainties in completing necessary registrations and obtaining necessary approvals from relevant government authorities in China and elsewhere in the world. The costs and duration of integrating newly acquired assets and businesses could also materially exceed our expectations. Any such negative developments could have a material adverse effect on our business, financial condition, results of operations and cash flow. Undetected programming errors or flaws or failure to maintain effective customer service could harm our reputation, which would materially and adversely affect our results of operations. Our platform and internal systems rely on software that is highly technical and complex. In addition, our platform and internal systems depend on the ability of such software to store, retrieve, process and manage immense amount of data. The software on which we rely has contained, and may now or in the future contain, undetected programming errors or flaws. Some errors may only be discovered after the code has been released for external or internal use. Errors or other design defects within the software on which we rely may result in a negative experience for buyers using our platform. Disruptions to the operations of our merchants, delay introductions of new features or enhancements, result in errors or compromise our ability to support effective customer service and enjoyable buyer engagement. Any errors, bugs or defects discovered in the software on which we rely could result in harm to our reputation and loss of buyers, which could adversely affect our business, results of operations and financial conditions. Our business generates and processes a large amount of data and we are required to comply with PRC laws relating to cybersecurity. The improper use or disclosure of data could have a material adverse effect on our business and prospects. Our business generates and processes a large quantity of data. We face risks inherent in handling and protecting large volume of data. In particular, we face a number of challenges relating to data from transactions and other activities on our platforms, including protecting the data in and hosted on our system, including against attacks on our system by outside parties or fraudulent behavior or improper use by our employees. Addressing concerns related to privacy and sharing, safety, security and other factors, and complying with applicable laws, rules and regulations relating to the collection, use, storage, transfer, disclosure and security of personal information, including any requests from regulatory and government authorities relating to this data. The PRC regulatory and enforcement regime with regard to data security and data protection is evolving. 
we may be required by Chinese governmental authorities to share personal information and data that we collect to comply with PRC laws relating to cybersecurity. C. Regulation, regulations relating to internet information security and privacy protection. All these laws and regulations may result in additional expenses to us and subject us to negative publicity which could harm our reputation and negatively affect the trading price of our ads. There are also uncertainties with respect to how these laws will be implemented in practice. PRC regulators have been increasingly focused on regulation in the areas of data security and data protection. We expect that these areas will receive greater attention and focus from regulators, as well as attract continued or greater public scrutiny and attention going forward, which could increase our compliance costs and subject us to heightened risks and challenges associated with data security and protection. If we are unable to manage these risks, we could become subject to penalties, fines, suspension of business and revocation of required licenses, and our reputation and results of operations could be materially and adversely affected. In addition, regulatory authorities around the world have recently adopted or are considering a number of legislative and regulatory proposals concerning data protection. These legislative and regulatory proposals, if adopted, and the uncertain interpretations and application thereof could, in addition to the possibility of fines, result in an order requiring that we change our data practices, which could have an adverse effect on our business and results of operations. Failure to protect confidential information of buyers, merchants and our network against security breaches could damage our reputation and brand and substantially harm our business and results of operations. A significant challenge to the e-commerce industry is the secure storage of confidential information and its secure transmission over public networks. A majority of the orders and the payments for products offered on our platform are made through our mobile app. In addition, all online payments for products sold on our platform are settled through third-party online payment services. Maintaining complete security on our platform and systems for the storage and transmission of confidential or private information, such as buyer's personal information, payment-related information and transaction information, is essential to maintain consumer confidence in our platform and systems. We have adopted strict security policies and measures, including encryption technology, to protect our proprietary data and buyer information. However, advances in technology, the expertise of hackers, new discoveries in the field of cryptography or other events or developments could result in a compromise or breach of the technology that we use to protect confidential information. We may not be able to prevent third parties, especially hackers or other individuals or entities engaging in similar activities, from illegally obtaining such confidential or private information we hold with respect to buyers and merchants on our platform. Such individuals or entities obtaining confidential or private information may further engage in various other illegal activities using such information. In addition, we have limited control or influence over the security policies or measures adopted by third-party providers of online payment services through which some of our buyers may choose to make payment for purchases. Any negative publicity on our platform's safety or privacy protection mechanisms and policies, and any claims asserted against us or fines imposed upon us as a result of actual or perceived failures, could have a material and adverse effect on our public image, reputation, financial condition and results of operations. Any compromise of our information security or the information security measures of our contracted third-party online payment service providers could have a material and adverse effect on our reputation, business, prospects, financial condition and results of operations. We rely on commercial banks and third-party online payment service providers for payment processing and escrow services on our platform. If these payment services are restricted or curtailed in any way or become unavailable to us or our buyers for any reason, our business may be materially and adversely affected. 
All online payments for products sold on our platform are settled through third-party online payment service providers. Our business depends on the billing, payment and escrow systems of these payment service providers to maintain accurate records of payments of sales proceeds by buyers and collect such payments. If the quality, utility, convenience or attractiveness of these payment processing and escrow services declines, or we have to change the pattern of using these payment services for any reason, the attractiveness of our platform could be materially and adversely affected. Business involving online payment services is subject to a number of risks that could materially and adversely affect third-party online payment service providers' ability to provide payment processing and escrow services to us, including dissatisfaction with these online payment services or decreased use of their services by buyers and merchants, increasing competition, including from other established Chinese internet companies, payment service providers and companies engaged in other financial technology services, Changes to rules or practices applicable to payment systems that link to third-party online payment service providers. Breach of buyers' personal information and concerns over the use and security of information collected from buyers. Service outages, system failures or failures to effectively scale the system to handle large and growing transaction volumes. Increasing cost to third-party online payment service providers, including fees charged by banks to process transactions through online payment channels, which would also increase our costs of revenues and failure to manage funds accurately or loss of funds, whether due to employee fraud, security breaches, technical errors or otherwise. Certain commercial banks in China impose limits on the amounts that may be transferred by automated payment from buyers' bank accounts to their linked accounts with third-party online payment services. We cannot predict whether these and any additional restrictions that could be put in place would have a material adverse effect on our platform. In addition, the commercial banks and third-party online payment service providers that we work with are subject to the supervision of the People's Bank of China, or the PAC. The PAC may publish rules, guidelines and interpretations from time to time regulating the operation of financial institutions and payment service providers that may in turn affect the pattern of services provided by such entities for us. For example, in November 2017, the PAC published a notice, or the PAC notice, on the investigation and administration of illegal offering of settlement services by financial institutions and third-party payment service providers to unlicensed entities. The PAC notice intended to prevent unlicensed entities from using licensed payment service providers as a conduit for conducting the unlicensed payment settlement services, so as to safeguard the fund's security and information security. We believe that our pattern of receiving settlement services from third-party online payment service providers are not in violation of the POC notice because the relevant commercial bank opens an internal special account to receive payment from the buyers and we will submit to the bank materials verifying the truthfulness of the relevant transactions and then the bank will also verify other information if it deems necessary before it distributes the payment to merchants and us. However, we cannot assure you that the POC or other governmental authorities will hold the same view with ours. If required by the POC or new legislation, our cooperative payment service providers will have to suspend their services or explore new pattern to offer their services to us. We may not be able to claim our ownership and exclusive control of the payments from the buyers in the bank accounts opened with the relevant commercial banks, and we may incur additional expenses or invest considerable resources in complying with the requirements. If the POC or other governmental authorities deem our cooperation with payment service providers to be violative of law, our income derived from the accrued interests in the relevant bank accounts may be confiscated, and we may be subject to a fine of one to five times of such income. In addition, we cannot assure you that we will be successful to enter into and maintain amicable relationships with these commercial banks and online payment service providers. Identifying, 
negotiating and maintaining relationships with these providers require significant time and resources. Our current agreements with these service providers also do not prohibit them from working with our competitors. They could choose to terminate their relationships with us or propose terms that we cannot accept. In addition, these service providers may not perform as expected under our agreements with them, and we may have disagreements or disputes with such payment service providers, any of which could adversely affect our brand and reputation as well as our business operations. Any lack of additional requisite approvals, licenses or permits or failure to comply with any requirements of PRC laws, regulations and policies may materially and adversely affect our daily operations and hinder our growth. Our business is subject to governmental supervision and regulation by the relevant PRC governmental authorities, including the Ministry of Commerce, or MOFCOM, the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, or the MEAT, and other governmental authorities in charge of the relevant categories of products sold by us. Together, these government authorities promulgate and enforce regulations that cover many aspects of the operation of online retailing, including entry into this industry, the scope of permissible business activities, licenses and permits for various business activities, and foreign investment. We are required to hold a number of licenses and permits in connection with our business operation, including the ICP license and approvals for the establishment of foreign invested enterprises engaging in the sale of goods over the internet. We have in the past held and currently hold all material licenses and permits described above and are applying for certain filings with the government authorities. See Regulation, Regulations Relating to Foreign Investment and Regulation, Licenses, Permits, and Filings. As of the date of this prospectus, we have not received any notice of warning or been subject to penalties or other disciplinary action from the relevant governmental authorities regarding the conducting of our business without the above-mentioned approvals and permits. However, we cannot assure you that we will not be subject to any penalties in the future. As the online retail industry is still evolving in China, new laws and regulations may be adopted from time to time to require additional licenses and permits other than those we currently have, and to address new issues that arise from time to time. As a result, substantial uncertainties exist regarding the interpretation and implementation of current and any future PRC laws and regulations applicable to online retail businesses. If the PRC government considers that we were operating without the proper approvals, licenses or permits or promulgates new laws and regulations that require additional approvals or licenses or impose additional restrictions on the operation of any part of our business, it has the power, among other things, to levy fines, confiscate our income, revoke our business licenses, and require us to discontinue our relevant business or impose restrictions on the affected portion of our business. Any of these and other regulatory actions by the PRC governmental authorities, including issuance of official notices, change of policies, promulgation of regulations and imposition of sanctions, may adversely affect our business and have a material and adverse effect on our results of operations. In addition, if we were to use new or additional domain names to conduct our business, we would have to apply for the same set of government authorizations or amend the current ones. There is no assurance that we will be able to complete such procedures timely. In addition to the licenses and permits, laws and regulations may require e-commerce platform operators to take measures to protect consumer rights. For example, in October 2017, we were required by the local regulator to make publicly available the link to the information contained in the licenses of the enterprise merchants and a label confirming the verified identity of the individual merchants on our platform. Although we endeavor to follow the laws and regulations, there is no assurance that we can timely react to the evolving requirements, and the government authorities may, to certain extent, have discretion in determining whether such requirements have been strictly complied with. If the government authorities deem that we fail to meet such requirements, we may receive warnings, 
be ordered to make rectifications, or subject to other administrative sanctions that may have material adverse effect on our business, financial condition and our results of operations. C. Regulation, Regulations Relating to E-Commerce We are required by PRC laws and regulations to comply with labor laws and regulations and pay overtime compensation and various government statutory employee benefit plans, including medical insurance, maternity insurance, workplace injury insurance, unemployment insurance and pension benefits through a PRC government-mandated multi-employer defined contribution plan. The relevant government agencies may examine whether an employer has made adequate payments of the requisite statutory employee benefits, and those employers who fail to make adequate payments may be subject to late payment fees, fines and or other penalties. If the relevant PRC authorities determine that we shall make supplemental contributions, that we are not in compliance with labor laws and regulations, or that we are subject to fines or other legal sanctions, such as an order of timely rectification, our business, financial condition and results of operations may be adversely affected. We may increasingly become a target for public scrutiny, including complaints to regulatory agencies, negative media coverage, and malicious reports, all of which could severely damage our reputation and materially and adversely affect our business and prospects. We process an extremely large number of transactions on a daily basis on our platform, and the high volume of transactions taking place on our platform as well as publicity about our business create the possibility of heightened attention from the public, regulators and the media. Heightened regulatory and public concerns over consumer protection and consumer safety issues may subject us to additional legal and social responsibilities and increased scrutiny and negative publicity over these issues, due to the large number of transactions that take place on our platform and the increasing scope of our overall business operations. In addition, changes in our services or policies have resulted and could result in objections by members of the public, the traditional, new and social media, social network operators, merchants on our platform or others. From time to time, these objections or allegations, regardless of their veracity, may result in consumer dissatisfaction, public protests or negative publicity, which could result in government inquiry or substantial harm to our brand, reputation and operations. Moreover, as our business expands and grows, both organically and through acquisitions of and investments in other businesses, domestically and internationally, we may be exposed to heightened public scrutiny in jurisdictions where we already operate as well as in new jurisdictions where we may operate. There is no assurance that we would not become a target for regulatory or public scrutiny in the future or that scrutiny and public exposure would not severely damage our reputation as well as our business and prospects. Our online marketing services constitute internet advertisement, which subjects us to laws, rules and regulations applicable to advertising. We derive a significant amount of our revenues from online marketing services and other related services. In July 2016, SAIC promulgated the Interim Administrative Measures on Internet Advertising, or the Internet Advertising Measures, effective September 2016, pursuant to which internet advertisements are defined as any commercial advertising that directly or indirectly promotes goods or services through internet media in any form including paid-for search results. See Regulation, Regulations Relating to Internet Advertising Business. Under the internet advertising measures, our online marketing services and other related services constitute internet advertisement. PRC Advertising Laws, Rules and regulations require advertisers, advertising operators and advertising distributors to ensure that the content of the advertisements they prepare or distribute is fair and accurate and is in full compliance with applicable law. In 2017 and the first quarter of 2018, 69.3% and 80.0% of our revenues were derived from online marketing services. Violation of these laws, 
rules or regulations may result in penalties, including fines, confiscation of advertising fees and orders to cease dissemination of the advertisements. In circumstances involving serious violations, the PRC government may suspend or revoke a violator's business license or license for operating advertising business. In addition, the Internet advertising measures require paid-for search results to be distinguished from natural search results so that consumers will not be misled as to the nature of these search results. As such, we are obligated to distinguish from others the merchants who purchase online marketing and related services or the relevant listings by these merchants. Complying with these requirements and any penalties or fines for any failure to comply may significantly reduce the attractiveness of our platform and increase our costs and could have a material adverse effect on our business, financial condition and results of operations. In addition, for advertising content related to specific types of products and services, advertisers, advertising operators and advertising distributors must confirm that the advertisers have obtained requisite government approvals, including the advertisers' operating qualifications, proof of quality inspection of the advertised products, and, with respect to certain industries, government approval of the content of the advertisement and filing with the local authorities. Pursuant to the Internet advertising measures, we are required to take steps to monitor the content of advertisements displayed on our platforms. This requires considerable resources and time, and could significantly affect the operation of our business, while at the same time also exposing us to increased liability under the relevant laws, rules and regulations. The costs associated with complying with these laws, rules and regulations, including any penalties or fines for our failure to so comply if required, could have a material adverse effect on our business, financial condition and results of operations. Any further change in the classification of our online marketing and other related services by the PRC government may also significantly disrupt our operations and materially and adversely affect our business and prospects. We may be subject to intellectual property infringement claims, which may be expensive to defend and may disrupt our business and operations. We cannot be certain that our operations or any aspects of our business do not or will not infringe upon or otherwise violate patents, copyrights or other intellectual property rights held by third parties. We have been, and from time to time in the future may be, subject to legal proceedings and claims relating to the intellectual property rights of others. In addition, there may be other third-party intellectual property that is infringed by products offered by our merchants and our services or other aspects of our business. There could also be existing patents of which we are not aware that our products may inadvertently infringe. We cannot assure you that holders of patents purportedly relating to some aspect of our technology platform or business, if any such holders exist, would not seek to enforce such patents against us in China, the United States or any other jurisdictions. Further, the application and interpretation of China's patent laws and the procedures and standards for granting patents in China are still evolving and are uncertain, and we cannot assure you that PRC courts or regulatory authorities would agree with our analysis. If we are found to have violated the intellectual property rights of others, we may be subject to liability for our infringement activities or may be prohibited from using such intellectual property, and we may incur licensing fees or be forced to develop alternatives of our own. In addition, we may incur significant expenses, and may be forced to divert management's time and other resources from our business and operations to defend against these infringement claims, regardless of their merits. Successful infringement or licensing claims made against us may result in significant monetary liabilities and may materially disrupt our business and operations by restricting or prohibiting our use of the intellectual property in question. Finally, we use open-source software in connection with our products and services. Companies that incorporate open-source software into their products and services have, from time to time, 
face claims challenging the ownership of open source software and the compliance with open source license terms. As a result, we could be subject to suits by parties claiming ownership of what we believe to be open source software or non-compliance with open source licensing terms. Some open source software licenses require users who distribute open source software as part of their software to publicly disclose all or part of the source code to such software and make available any derivative works of the open source code on unfavorable terms or at no cost. Any requirement to disclose our source code or pay damages for breach of contract could be harmful to our business, results of operations and financial condition. We may not be able to prevent others from unauthorized use of our intellectual property, which could harm our business and competitive position. We regard our trademarks, copyrights, patents, domain names, know-how, proprietary technologies, and similar intellectual property as critical to our success, and we rely on a combination of intellectual property laws and contractual arrangements, including confidentiality, invention assignment and non-compete agreements with our employees and others, to protect our proprietary rights. We are aware of certain copycat websites that attempt to cause confusion or diversion of traffic from us at the moment, against which we are considering initiating lawsuits, and we may continue to become an attractive target to such attacks in the future because of our brand recognition in the online retail industry in China. Despite these measures, any of our intellectual property rights could be challenged, invalidated, circumvented or misappropriated, or such intellectual property may not be sufficient to provide us with competitive advantages. In addition, there can be no assurance that, I, our application for registration of trademarks, patents, and other intellectual property rights will be approved, 2, any intellectual property rights will be adequately protected, or, 3, such intellectual property rights will not be challenged by third parties or found by a judicial authority to be invalid or unenforceable. Further, because of the rapid pace of technological change in our industry, parts of our business rely on technologies developed or licensed by third parties, and we may not be able to obtain or continue to obtain licenses and technologies from these third parties at all or on reasonable terms. It is often difficult to register, maintain and enforce intellectual property rights in China. Statutory laws and regulations are subject to judicial interpretation and enforcement and may not be applied consistently due to the lack of clear guidance on statutory interpretation. Confidentiality, invention assignment and non-compete agreements may be breached by counterparties, and there may not be adequate remedies available to us for any such breach. Accordingly, we may not be able to effectively protect our intellectual property rights or to enforce our contractual rights in China. Policing any unauthorized use of our intellectual property is difficult and costly and the steps we take may be inadequate to prevent the infringement or misappropriation of our intellectual property. In the event that we resort to litigation to enforce our intellectual property rights, such litigation could result in substantial costs and a diversion of our management and financial resources, and could put our intellectual property at risk of being invalidated or narrowed in scope. We can provide no assurance that we will prevail in such litigation, and even if we do prevail, we may not obtain a meaningful recovery. In addition, our trade secrets may be leaked or otherwise become available to, or be independently discovered by, our competitors. Any failure in maintaining, protecting or enforcing our intellectual property rights could have a material adverse effect on our business, financial condition and results of operations. Tightening of tax compliance efforts that affect merchants on our platform could materially and adversely affect our business, financial condition and results of operations. The e-commerce industry in China is still developing, and the PRC government may require operators of online marketplaces, such as our company to assist in the collection of taxes with respect to income generated by merchants from transactions conducted on our platforms. 
A significant number of merchants operating businesses on our platform may be deficient in their tax registration. PRC tax authorities may enforce registration requirements that target these merchants on our platforms and may request our assistance in these efforts. As a result, these merchants may be subject to more stringent tax compliance requirements and liabilities and their business on our platforms could suffer or they could decide to terminate their relationship with us rather than complying with tax regulations, which could in turn negatively affect us. We may also be requested by tax authorities to provide assistance in the enforcement of tax regulations, such as disclosure of transaction records and bank account information of the merchants, and withholding against our merchants. If that occurs, we may lose existing merchants and potential merchants might not be willing to operate their business on our platforms. Stricter tax enforcement by the PRC tax authorities may also reduce the activities by merchants on our platforms and result in liability to us. Potential heightened enforcement against merchants on our platforms, including imposition of reporting or withholding obligations on operators of online marketplaces with respect to value-added tax of merchants and stricter tax enforcement against merchants generally, could have a material adverse effect on our business, financial condition and results of operations. Our business may be subject to seasonal sales fluctuations which could result in volatility or have an adverse effect on the market price of our ads. We experience seasonality in our business, reflecting a combination of seasonal fluctuations in internet usage and traditional retail seasonality patterns. For example, we generally experience less user traffic and purchase orders during the Chinese New Year holiday season in the first quarter of each year. Furthermore, online sales in China are significantly higher in the fourth quarter of each calendar year than in the preceding three quarters. Due to the foregoing factors, our financial condition and results of operations for future quarters may continue to fluctuate and our historical quarterly results may not be comparable to future quarters. As a result, the trading price of our ads may fluctuate from time to time due to seasonality. We have granted and may continue to grant options and other types of awards under our share incentive plan, which may result in increased share-based compensation expenses. We adopted a global share incentive plan in 2015 and a share incentive plan in 2018, which we refer to as the 2015 plan and the 2018 plan, respectively, in this prospectus, for the purpose of granting share-based compensation awards to employees, directors and consultants to incentivize their performance and align their interests with ours. We recognize expenses in our consolidated financial statements in accordance with US GAAP. Under each of the share incentive plans, we are authorized to grant options and other types of awards. As of the date of this prospectus, the maximum aggregate number of ordinary shares which may be issued pursuant to all awards under the 2015 plan is 581,972,860 Class A ordinary shares, subject to adjustment and amendment. The maximum aggregate number of shares which may be issued pursuant to all awards under the 2018 plan is 363,130,400, plus an annual increase on the first day of each fiscal year of our company during the term of the 2018 plan commencing with the fiscal year beginning January 1, 2019, by an amount equal to the lessor of, a 1.0% of the total number of shares issued and outstanding on the last day of the immediately preceding fiscal year, and, two, such number of shares as may be determined by our board of directors. As of the date of this prospectus, options to purchase 581,972,860 Class A ordinary shares under the 2015 plan have been granted and outstanding, excluding awards that were forfeited or cancelled after the relevant grant dates. No award has been granted under the 2018 plan. We believe the granting of share-based compensation is of significant importance to our ability to attract and retain key personnel and employees, and we will continue to grant share-based compensation to employees in the future. As a result, 
our expenses associated with share-based compensation may increase, which may have an adverse effect on our results of operations. If we fail to implement and maintain an effective system of internal controls to remediate our material weakness over financial reporting, we may be unable to accurately report our results of operations, meet our reporting obligations or prevent fraud. Prior to this offering, we have been a private company with limited accounting personnel and other resources with which to address our internal control over financial reporting. In connection with the audits of our consolidated financial statements included in this prospectus, we and our independent registered public accounting firm identified a material weakness in our internal control over financial reporting. As defined in the standards established by the U.S. Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, a material weakness is a deficiency, or combination of deficiencies, in internal control over financial reporting, such that there is a reasonable possibility that a material misstatement of the annual or interim financial statements will not be prevented or detected on a timely basis. The material weakness that has been identified relates to our lack of sufficient financial reporting and accounting personnel with appropriate knowledge of U.S. GAAP and SEC reporting requirements to properly address complex U.S. GAAP accounting issues and to prepare and review our consolidated financial statements and related disclosures to fulfill U.S. GAAP and SEC financial reporting requirements. The material weakness, if not timely remedied, may lead to material misstatements in our consolidated financial statements in the future. Neither we nor our independent registered public accounting firm undertook a comprehensive assessment of our internal control for purposes of identifying and reporting material weaknesses and other control deficiencies in our internal control over financial reporting. Had we performed a formal assessment of our internal control over financial reporting or had our independent registered public accounting firm performed an audit of our internal control over financial reporting, additional deficiencies may have been identified. Following the identification of the material weakness and other control deficiencies, we have taken measures and plan to continue to take measures to remedy these control deficiencies. See management's discussion and analysis of financial condition and results of operations, internal control over financial reporting. However, the implementation of these measures may not fully address these deficiencies in our internal control over financial reporting, and we cannot conclude that they have been fully remedied. Our failure to correct these control deficiencies or our failure to discover and address any other control deficiencies could result in inaccuracies in our financial statements and impair our ability to comply with applicable financial reporting requirements and related regulatory filings on a timely basis. Moreover, ineffective internal control over financial reporting could significantly hinder our ability to prevent fraud. Upon completion of this offering, we will become subject to the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002. Section 404 of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, or Section 404, requires that we include a report from management on the effectiveness of our internal control over financial reporting in our annual report on Form 20F beginning with our annual report for the fiscal year ending December 31, 2019. In addition, once we cease to be an emerging growth company as such term is defined in the Jobs Act, our independent registered public accounting firm must attest to and report on the effectiveness of our internal control over financial reporting our management may conclude that our internal control over financial reporting is not effective. Moreover, even if our management concludes that our internal control over financial reporting is effective, our independent registered public accounting firm, after conducting its own independent testing, may issue a report that is qualified if it is not satisfied with our internal controls or the level at which our controls are documented, designed, operated or reviewed, or if it interprets the relevant requirements differently from us. In addition, after we become a public company, our reporting obligations may place a significant strain on our management, operational and financial resources and systems for the foreseeable future.
we may be unable to timely complete our evaluation testing and any required remediation. During the course of documenting and testing our internal control procedures, in order to satisfy the requirements of Section 404, we may identify other weaknesses and deficiencies in our internal control over financial reporting. In addition, if we fail to maintain the adequacy of our internal control over financial reporting, as these standards are modified, supplemented or amended from time to time, we may not be able to conclude on an ongoing basis that we have effective internal control over financial reporting in accordance with Section 404. If we fail to achieve and maintain an effective internal control environment, we could suffer material misstatements in our financial statements and fail to meet our reporting obligations, which would likely cause investors to lose confidence in our reported financial information. This could in turn limit our access to capital markets, harm our results of operations, and lead to a decline in the trading price of our ads. Additionally, ineffective internal control over financial reporting could expose us to increased risk of fraud or misuse of corporate assets and subject us to potential delisting from the stock exchange on which we list, regulatory investigations and civil or criminal sanctions. We may also be required to restate our financial statements for prior periods. Changes in U.S. and international trade policies, particularly with regard to China, may adversely impact our business and operating results. The U.S. government has recently made statements and taken certain actions that may lead to potential changes to U.S. and international trade policies, including recently imposed tariffs affecting certain products manufactured in China. It is unknown whether and to what extent new tariffs, or other new laws or regulations, will be adopted, or the effect that any such actions would have on us or our industry and customers. Although cross-border business may not be an area of our focus, if we plan to sell our products internationally in the future, any unfavorable government policies on international trade, such as capital controls or tariffs, may affect the demand for our products and services, impact the competitive position of our products or prevent us from being able to sell products in certain countries. If any new tariffs, legislation and our regulations are implemented, or if existing trade agreements are renegotiated or, in particular, if the U.S. government takes retaliatory trade actions due to the recent U.S.-China trade tension, such changes could have an adverse effect on our business, financial condition, results of operations. We do not have any business insurance coverage. The insurance industry in China is still at an early stage of development, and insurance companies in China currently offer limited business-related insurance products. We do not have any business liability or disruption insurance to cover our operations. We have determined that the costs of insuring for these risks and the difficulties associated with acquiring such insurance on commercially reasonable terms make it impractical for us to have such insurance. Any uninsured risks may result in substantial costs and the diversion of resources, which could adversely affect our results of operations and financial condition. We face risks related to natural disasters, health epidemics and other outbreaks, which could significantly disrupt our operations. We and our merchants are vulnerable to natural disasters, health epidemics, and other calamities. Any of such occurrences could cause severe disruption to the daily operations of us and our merchants, and may even require a temporary closure of facilities and logistics delivery networks, which may disrupt our business operations and adversely affect our results of operations. In addition, our results of operations could be adversely affected to the extent that any of these catastrophic events harms the Chinese economy in general. We will be a controlled company within the meaning of the NASDAQ stock market rules and, as a result, may rely on exemptions from certain corporate governance requirements that provide protection to shareholders of other companies. Following the completion of this offering, we will be a controlled company as defined under the NASDAQ stock market rules because our founder, chairman of the board of directors and chief executive officer, 
Mr. Zheng Huang, owns more than 50% of our total voting power. For so long as we remain a controlled company under that definition, we are permitted to elect to rely, and may rely, on certain exemptions from corporate governance rules, including an exemption from the rule that a majority of our board of directors must be independent directors or that we have to establish a nominating committee and a compensation committee composed entirely of independent directors. As a result, you will not have the same protection afforded to shareholders of companies that are subject to these corporate governance requirements. We currently do not plan to rely on these exemptions. Risks related to our corporate structure. If the PRC government finds that the agreements that establish the structure for operating some of our operations in China do not comply with PRC regulations relating to the relevant industries, or if these regulations or the interpretation of existing regulations change in the future, we could be subject to severe penalties or be forced to relinquish our interests in those operations. Foreign ownership of certain parts of our businesses including value-added telecommunications services is subject to restrictions under current PRC laws and regulations. For example, Foreign investors are not allowed to own more than 50% of the equity interests in a value-added telecommunications service provider, excluding e-commerce, and any such foreign investor must have experience in providing value-added telecommunications services overseas and maintain a good track record. We are a Cayman Islands company and our PRC subsidiaries, namely our foes, are considered foreign invested enterprises. Accordingly, our foes are not eligible to provide value-added telecommunications services. As a result, we currently conduct our e-commerce business activities through Shanghai Zunmeng, a subsidiary of Arvai, which holds a VATS license for online data processing and transaction processing business, operating e-commerce, and internet content-related services. Shanghai Zunmeng is wholly owned by Arvai, namely Hongzhou Aimi, which has obtained a VATS license covering online data processing and, and transaction processing business, operating e-commerce, excluding internet finance and e-hailing services, and internet content-related services, excluding information search and inquiry services, and real-time interactive information services. We entered into a series of contractual arrangements with Hongzhou Aimi and its shareholders, which enable us to, I, exercise effective control over our VI, 2, receive substantially all of the economic benefits of our VI, and 3, have an exclusive option to purchase all or part of the equity interests and assets in our VI when and to the extent permitted by PRC law. As a result of these contractual arrangements, we have control over and are the primary beneficiary of our VI and hence consolidate its financial results and its subsidiary into our consolidated financial statements under US GAAP. See Corporate History and Structure for further details. In the opinion of our PRC Legal Counsel, I, the ownership structures of our VI in China and Hangzhou Waimi, both currently and immediately after giving effect to this offering, are not in violation of applicable PRC laws and regulations currently in effect, and, two, the contractual arrangements between Hangzhou Waimi, Arvai and its shareholders governed by PRC law are legal, valid, binding and enforceable in accordance with its terms and applicable PRC laws. However, our PRC legal counsel has also advised us that there are substantial uncertainties regarding the interpretation and application of current and future PRC laws, regulations and rules. Accordingly, the PRC regulatory authorities may take a view that is contrary to the opinion of our PRC legal counsel. It is uncertain whether any new PRC laws or regulations relating to variable interest entity structures will be adopted or if adopted, what they would provide. If we or our VI are found to be in violation of any existing or future PRC laws or regulations, or fail to obtain or maintain any of the required permits or approvals, 
the relevant PRC regulatory authorities would have broad discretion to take action in dealing with such violations or failures, including revoke the business license and or operating license of such entities, discontinuing or placing restrictions or onerous conditions on our operations, imposing fines, confiscating the income from Hangzhou Waimi or Arvai, or imposing other requirements with which we or Arvai may not be able to comply requiring us to restructure our ownership structure or operations, including terminating the contractual arrangements with our VI and deregistering the equity pledges of our VI, which in turn would affect our ability to consolidate, derive economic interests from, or exert effective control over our VI, or restricting or prohibiting our use of the proceeds of this offering to finance our business and operations in China. The imposition of any of these penalties would result in a material and adverse effect on our ability to conduct our business. In addition, it is unclear what impact the PRC government actions would have on us and on our ability to consolidate the financial results of our VI and our consolidated financial statements, if the PRC government authorities were to find our legal structure and contractual arrangements to be in violation of PRC laws and regulations. If the imposition of any of these government actions causes us to lose our right to direct the activities of our VI or our right to receive substantially all the economic benefits and residual returns from our VI, and we are not able to restructure our ownership structure and operations in a satisfactory manner, we would no longer be able to consolidate the financial results of our VI and our consolidated financial statements. Either of these results, or any other significant penalties that might be imposed on us in this event, would have a material adverse effect on our financial condition and results of operations. The Pinduoduo partnership and its related arrangements may impact your ability to appoint executive directors and nominate the chief executive officer of the company, and the interests of the Pinduoduo partnership may conflict with your interests. Our Articles of Association, as we expect them to be amended and become effective upon completion of this offering, will have the effect of allowing the Pinduoduo partnership to appoint executive directors and nominate the chief executive officer of our company. Unless removed by the shareholders in accordance with the then effective articles of association of the company or terminated upon his or her death or resignation, such executive director candidate duly nominated by the Pinduoduo partnership shall be approved and appointed by our board of directors and serve as an executive director of our company until expiry of his or her terms. The chief executive officer candidate nominated by the Pinduoduo partnership shall stand for reaffirmation by the nomination committee of the board of directors and appointment by the board of directors. If the candidate is not reaffirmed by the nomination committee or appointed by the board of directors in accordance with the then effective articles of association of the company, the partnership may nominate a replacement nominee until the nomination committee reaffirms and the board of directors appoints such nominee as chief executive officer or the nomination committee or the board of directors fails to reaffirm and appoint the third candidate nominated by the Pinduoduo partnership, after which time the board of directors may nominate and appoint any person to serve as the chief executive officer in accordance with the then effective articles of association of the company. See Management, Pinduoduo Partnership. This governance structure and contractual arrangements will limit your ability to influence corporate matters, including the matters determined at the board level. In addition, the interests of the Pinduoduo partnership may not coincide with your interests, including certain managerial decisions such as partner compensation. For example, each year, once an aggregate bonus pool is approved by the board of directors, the partnership committee of the Pinduoduo partnership will make further determinations as to, among other things, the allocation of the current bonus pool among all partners and these allocations may not be entirely aligned with the interest of shareholders who are not partners. Because the partners may be largely comprised of members of our management team, 
The Pinduoduo partnership and its executive director nominees may focus on the operational and financial results that may differ from the expectations and desires of shareholders. To the extent that the interests of the Pinduoduo partnership differ from your interests on certain matters, you may be disadvantaged. Our business may be significantly affected by the draft foreign investment law, if implemented as proposed. In January 2015, MOFCOM published a draft foreign investment law for soliciting public comments. At the same time, MOFCOM published an accompanying explanatory note of the draft foreign investment law, which contains important information about the draft foreign investment law, including its legislative philosophy and principles, main content, plans for transitioning into the new legal regime and treatment of business in China controlled by foreign invested enterprises. The draft foreign investment law proposes significant changes to the PRC foreign investment legal regime and, when implemented, may have a significant impact on businesses in China controlled by foreign invested enterprises primarily through contractual arrangements, such as our business. Please refer to regulation, regulations relating to foreign investment for further details. MOFCOM solicited comments on the draft foreign investment law in 2015, but no new draft has been published since then. There is substantial uncertainty with respect to its final content, interpretation, adoption timeline and effective date. It is anticipated, though, that the draft foreign investment law will build in regulations on variable interest entities. MOFCOM suggests both registration and approval as potential options for the regulation of variable interest entity structures, depending on whether they are Chinese or foreign controlled. One of the core concepts of the draft foreign investment law is de facto control, which emphasizes substance over form in determining whether an entity is Chinese or foreign controlled. This determination requires consideration of the nature of the investors that exercise control over the entity. Chinese investors are individuals who are Chinese nationals, Chinese government agencies and any domestic enterprise controlled by Chinese nationals or government agencies. Foreign investors are foreign citizens, foreign governments, international organizations and entities controlled by foreign citizens and entities. There can be no assurance that our current corporate structure will be considered Chinese controlled under the scheme of the draft foreign investment law. In the event that our VI contractual arrangements under which we operate our business are not treated as a domestic investment and or our operation are classified as a prohibited business under the foreign investment law when officially enacted, such VI contractual arrangements may be deemed as invalid and illegal, and we may be required to unwind the VI contractual arrangements and or dispose of such business. We rely on contractual arrangements with our VI and its shareholders for a large portion of our business operations, which may not be as effective as direct ownership in providing operational control. Our VI contributed 72.4%, 100.0% and 100.0% of our consolidated total revenues in 2016 and 2017 and the three months ended March 31, 2018, respectively. We have relied and expect to continue to rely on contractual arrangements with our VI and its shareholders to conduct our business. These contractual arrangements may not be as effective as direct ownership in providing us with control over our VI. For example, our VI and its shareholders could breach their contractual arrangements with us by, among other things, failing to conduct their operations in an acceptable manner or taking other actions that are detrimental to our interests. If we had direct ownership of our VI, we would be able to exercise our rights as a shareholder to effect changes in the board of directors of our VI, which in turn could implement changes, subject to any applicable fiduciary obligations, at the management and operational level. However, under the current contractual arrangements, we rely on the performance by our VI and its shareholders of their obligations under the contracts to exercise control over our VI. 
the shareholders of our consolidated VI may not act in the best interests of our company or may not perform their obligations under these contracts. Such risks exist throughout the period in which we intend to operate certain portions of our business through the contractual arrangements with our VI. If any disputes relating to these contracts remains unresolved, we will have to enforce our rights under these contracts through the operations of PRC law and arbitration, litigation and other legal proceedings and therefore will be subject to uncertainties in the PRC legal system. See any failure by our VI or its shareholders to perform their obligations under our contractual arrangements with them would have a material and adverse effect on our business. Therefore, our contractual arrangements with our VI may not be as effective in ensuring our control over the relevant portion of our business operations as direct ownership would be. Any failure by our VI or its shareholders to perform their obligations under our contractual arrangements with them would have a material and adverse effect on our business. We refer to the shareholders of our VI as its nominee shareholders because although they remain the holders of equity interests on record in each of our VI, each such shareholder has irrevocably authorized Hongzhou Waimi to exercise his, her or its rights as a shareholder of the relevant VI pursuant to the terms of the relevant shareholders voting rights proxy agreement. However, if our VI or its shareholders fail to perform their respective obligations under the contractual arrangements, we may have to incur substantial costs and expend additional resources to enforce such arrangements. We may also have to rely on legal remedies under PRC law, including seeking specific performance or injunctive relief, and claiming damages, which may not be effective under PRC law. For example, if the shareholders of our VI refuse to transfer their equity interest in our VI to us or our designee if we exercise the purchase option pursuant to these contractual arrangements, or if they otherwise act in bad faith toward us, then we may have to take legal actions to compel them to perform their contractual obligations. All of the agreements under our contractual arrangements are governed by PRC law and provide for the resolution of disputes through arbitration in China. Accordingly, these contracts would be interpreted in accordance with PRC law and any disputes would be resolved in accordance with PRC legal procedures. The legal system in the PRC is not as developed as in some other jurisdictions, such as the United States. As a result, uncertainties in the PRC legal system could limit our ability to enforce these contractual arrangements. See risks related to doing business in China, uncertainties with respect to the PRC legal system and changes in laws and regulations in China could adversely affect us. Meanwhile, there are very few precedents and little formal guidance as to how contractual arrangements in the context of a VI should be interpreted or enforced under PRC law. There remain significant uncertainties regarding the ultimate outcome of such arbitration should legal action become necessary. In addition, under PRC law, rulings by arbitrators are final, Parties cannot appeal the arbitration results in courts, and if the losing parties fail to carry out the arbitration awards within a prescribed time limit, the prevailing parties may only enforce the arbitration awards in PRC courts through arbitration award recognition proceedings, which would require additional expenses and delay. In the event we are unable to enforce these contractual arrangements, or if we suffer significant delays or other obstacles in the process of enforcing these contractual arrangements, we may not be able to exert effective control over our VI and our ability to conduct our business may be negatively affected. The shareholders of our VI may have potential conflicts of interest with us, which may materially adversely affect our business and financial condition. Messrs. Lei Chen, Chin Sun and Zhen Zhang are beneficiary owners of our company and hold 86.6%, 4.4% and 0.1% equity interests in our VI, respectively. They are either directors or employees of our company. The remaining 8.9% equity interests in our VI are held by Lindsay Tencent Technology Company, Limited, which is an affiliate of one of our shareholders. 
the shareholders of our VI may have potential conflicts of interest with us. See corporate history and structure, contractual arrangements with our VI and its shareholders. These shareholders may breach, or cause our VI to breach, or refuse to renew, the existing contractual arrangements we have with them, our VI, which would have a material and adverse effect on our ability to effectively control our VI and receive economic benefits from it. For example, the shareholders may be able to cause our agreements with our VI to be performed in a manner adverse to us by, among other things, failing to remit payments due under the contractual arrangements to us on a timely basis. We cannot assure you that when conflicts of interest arise any or all of these shareholders will act in the best interests of our company or such conflicts will be resolved in our favor. Currently, we do not have any arrangements to address potential conflicts of interest between these shareholders and our company, except that we could exercise our purchase option under the exclusive option agreements with these shareholders to request them to transfer all of their equity interests in the VI to a PRC entity or individual designated by us, to the extent permitted by PRC law. For individuals who are also our directors and officers, we rely on them to abide by the laws of the Cayman Islands, which provide that directors and officers owe a fiduciary duty to the company that requires them to act in good faith and in what they believe to be the best interests of the company and not to use their position for personal gains. The shareholders of our VI have executed shareholders' voting rights proxy agreement to appoint Hongzhou Waimi or a person designated by Hongzhou Waimi to vote on their behalf and exercise voting rights as shareholders of our VI. If we cannot resolve any conflict of interest or dispute between us and the shareholders of our variable interest entities, we would have to rely on legal proceedings, which could result in disruption of our business and subject us to substantial uncertainty as to the outcome of any such legal proceedings. The shareholders of our VI may be involved in personal disputes with third parties or other incidents that may have an adverse effect on their respective equity interests in the relevant VI and the validity or enforceability of our contractual arrangements with the relevant entity and its shareholders. For example, in the event that any of the shareholders of our VI divorces his or her spouse, the spouse may claim that the equity interest of the relevant VI held by such shareholder is part of their community property and should be divided between such shareholder and his or her spouse. If such claim is supported by the court, the relevant equity interest may be obtained by the shareholder's spouse or another third party who is not subject to obligations under our contractual arrangements, which could result in a loss of the effective control over the relevant VI by us. Similarly, if any of the equity interests of our VI is inherited by a third party with whom the current contractual arrangements are not binding, we could lose our control over the relevant VI or have to maintain such control by incurring unpredictable costs, which could cause significant disruption to our business and operations and harm our financial condition and results of operations. Although under our current contractual arrangements, I, the spouse of each of the shareholders of our VI has executed a spousal consent letter, under which the spouse agrees that he or she will not raise any claims against the equity interest, and will take every action to ensure the performance of the contractual arrangements, and, two, it is expressly provided that the rights and obligations under the contractual agreements shall be equally effective and binding on the heirs and successors of the parties thereto, or that our VI shall not assign or delegate its rights and obligations under the contractual agreements to third parties without our prior consent, we cannot assure you that these undertakings and arrangements will be complied with or effectively enforced. In the case any of them is breached or becomes unenforceable and leads to legal proceedings, it could disrupt our business, distract our management's attention and subject us to substantial uncertainties as to the outcome of any such legal proceedings. Contractual arrangements in relation to our VI may be subject to scrutiny by the PRC tax authorities and they may determine that we or our VI owes additional taxes, which could negatively affect our financial condition and the value of your investment. 
Under applicable PRC laws and regulations, arrangements and transactions among related parties may be subject to audit or challenge by the PRC tax authorities. We could face material and adverse tax consequences if the PRC tax authorities determine that the VI contractual arrangements were not entered into on an arm's-length basis in such a way as to result in an impermissible reduction in taxes under applicable PRC laws, rules and regulations, and adjust the income of our VI in the form of a transfer pricing adjustment. A transfer pricing adjustment could, among other things, result in a reduction of expense deductions recorded by our VI for PRC tax purposes, which could in turn increase its tax liabilities without reducing Hangzhou Waimi's tax expenses. In addition, the PRC tax authorities may impose late payment fees and other penalties on our VI for the adjusted but unpaid taxes according to the applicable regulations. Our financial position could be materially and adversely affected if our VI's tax liabilities increase or if it is required to pay late payment fees and other penalties. We may lose the ability to use and enjoy assets held by our VI that are material to the operation of certain portion of our business if the VI goes bankrupt or becomes subject to a dissolution or liquidation proceeding. As part of our contractual arrangements with our VI, our VI and its subsidiaries hold certain assets that are material to the operation of certain portion of our business, including intellectual property and premise and VATS licenses. If our VI goes bankrupt and all or part of its assets become subject to liens or rights of third-party creditors, we may be unable to continue some or all of our business activities, which could materially and adversely affect our business, financial condition and results of operations. Under the contractual arrangements, our VI may not, in any manner, sell, transfer, mortgage or dispose of their assets or legal or beneficial interests in the business without our prior consent. If our VI undergoes a voluntary or involuntary liquidation proceeding, independent third-party creditors may claim rights to some or all of these assets, thereby hindering our ability to operate our business, which could materially and adversely affect our business, financial condition and results of operations. If the chops of our PRC subsidiaries and our VI are not kept safely, are stolen or are used by unauthorized persons or for unauthorized purposes, the corporate governance of these entities could be severely and adversely compromised. In China, a company chop or seal serves as the legal representation of the company towards third parties even when unaccompanied by a signature. Each legally registered company in China is required to maintain a company chop, which must be registered with the local public security bureau. In addition to this mandatory company chop, companies may have several other chops which can be used for specific purposes. The chops of our PRC subsidiaries and VI are generally held securely by personnel designated or approved by us in accordance with our internal control procedures. To the extent those chops are not kept safely, are stolen or are used by unauthorized persons or for unauthorized purposes, the corporate governance of these entities could be severely and adversely compromised and those corporate entities may be bound to abide by the terms of any documents so chopped, even if they were chopped by an individual who lacked the requisite power and authority to do so. In addition, if the chops are misused by unauthorized persons, we could experience disruption to our normal business operations. We may have to take corporate or legal action, which could involve significant time and resources to resolve while distracting management from our operations. Risks related to doing business in China Changes in China's economic, political or social conditions or government policies could have a material adverse effect on our business and operations. Substantially all of our assets and operations are located in China. Accordingly, our business, financial condition, results of operations and prospects may be influenced to a significant degree by political, economic and social conditions in China generally. The Chinese economy differs from the economies of most developed countries in many respects, including the level of government involvement, 
level of development, growth rate, control of foreign exchange and allocation of resources. Although the Chinese government has implemented measures emphasizing the utilization of market forces for economic reform, the reduction of state ownership of productive assets, and the establishment of improved corporate governance in business enterprises, a substantial portion of productive assets in China is still owned by the government. In addition, the Chinese government continues to play a significant role in regulating industry development by imposing industrial policies. The Chinese government also exercises significant control over China's economic growth through allocating resources, controlling payment of foreign currency-denominated obligations, setting monetary policy, and providing preferential treatment to particular industries or companies. While the Chinese economy has experienced significant growth over the past decades, growth has been uneven, both geographically and among various sectors of the economy, and the rate of growth has been slowing since 2012. Any adverse changes in economic conditions in China, in the policies of the Chinese government or in the laws and regulations in China could have a material adverse effect on the overall economic growth of China. Such developments could adversely affect our business and operating results, lead to reduction in demand for our services and adversely affect our competitive position. The Chinese government has implemented various measures to encourage economic growth and guide the allocation of resources. Some of these measures may benefit the overall Chinese economy, but may have a negative effect on us. For example, our financial condition and results of operations may be adversely affected by government control over capital investments or changes in tax regulations. In addition, in the past the Chinese government has implemented certain measures, including interest rate adjustment, to control the pace of economic growth. These measures may cause decreased economic activity in China, which may adversely affect our business and operating results. Uncertainties with respect to the PRC legal system and changes in laws and regulations in China could adversely affect us. We conduct our business primarily through our PRC subsidiaries and our VI and one of its subsidiaries in China. Our operations in China are governed by PRC laws and regulations. Our PRC subsidiaries are subject to laws and regulations applicable to foreign investment in China. The PRC legal system is a civil law system based on written statutes. Unlike the common law system, prior court decisions under the civil law system may be cited for reference but have limited precedential value. In addition, any new or changes in PRC laws and regulations related to foreign investment in China could affect the business environment and our ability to operate our business in China. From time to time, we may have to resort to administrative and court proceedings to enforce our legal rights. Any administrative and court proceedings in China may be protracted, resulting in substantial costs and diversion of resources and management attention. Since PRC administrative and court authorities have significant discretion in interpreting and implementing statutory provisions and contractual terms, it may be more difficult to evaluate the outcome of administrative and court proceedings and the level of legal protection we enjoy than in more developed legal systems. These uncertainties may impede our ability to enforce the contracts we have entered into and could materially and adversely affect our business and results of operations. Furthermore, the PRC legal system is based in part on government policies and internal rules, some of which are not published on a timely basis or at all and may have retroactive effect. As a result, we may not be aware of our violation of any of these policies and rules until some time after the violation. Such unpredictability towards our contractual, property and procedural rights could adversely affect our business and impede our ability to continue our operations. We may be adversely affected by the complexity, uncertainties and changes in PRC regulation of internet-related businesses and companies, and any lack of requisite approvals, licenses or permits applicable to our business may have a material adverse effect on our business and results of operations. 
the PRC government extensively regulates the internet industry, including foreign ownership of, and the licensing and permit requirements pertaining to, companies in the internet industry. These internet-related laws and regulations are relatively new and evolving, and their interpretation and enforcement involve significant uncertainties. As a result, in certain circumstances it may be difficult to determine what actions or emissions may be deemed to be in violation of applicable laws and regulations. We only have contractual control over our Pinduoduo mobile app. We do not directly own the mobile app due to the restrictions on foreign investment in businesses providing value-added telecommunication services in China, including e-commerce services and internet content-related services. This may significantly disrupt our business, subject us to sanctions, compromise enforceability of related contractual arrangements, or have other harmful effects on us. The evolving PRC regulatory system for the internet industry may lead to the establishment of new regulatory agencies. For example, in May 2011, the State Council announced the establishment of the State Internet Information Office, with the involvement of the State Council Information Office, MEET, and the Ministry of Public Security. The primary role of the State Internet Information Office is to facilitate the policymaking and legislative development in this field, to direct and coordinate with the relevant departments in connection with online content administration and to deal with cross-ministry regulatory matters in relation to the internet industry. Our online platform, operated by Shanghai Zunmeng, may be deemed to be providing commercial internet content-related services, which would require Shanghai Zunmeng to obtain an ICP license. An ICP license is a value-added telecommunications business operating license required for provision of commercial internet information services. The circular on strengthening the administration of foreign investment in and operation of value-added telecommunications business, issued by the MEET in July 2006, prohibits domestic telecommunications service providers from leasing, transferring or selling telecommunications business operating licenses to any foreign investor in any form, or providing any resources, sites or facilities to any foreign investor for their illegal operation of a telecommunications business in China. According to this circular, Either the holder of a value-added telecommunications services operation permit or its shareholders must directly own the domain names and trademarks used by such license holders in their provision of value-added telecommunications services. The circular also requires each license holder to have the necessary facilities, including servers, for its approved business operations and to maintain such facilities in the regions covered by its license. Shanghai Zunmeng owns the relevant domain names and trademarks in connection with our online platform and has the necessary personnel to operate our online platform. The interpretation and application of existing PRC laws, regulations and policies and possible new laws, regulations or policies relating to the internet industry have created substantial uncertainties regarding the legality of existing and future foreign investments in, and the businesses and activities of, internet businesses in China, including our business. We cannot assure you that we have obtained all the permits or licenses required for conducting our business in China or will be able to maintain our existing licenses or obtain new ones. If the PRC government considers that we were operating without the proper approvals, licenses or permits or promulgates new laws and regulations that require additional approvals or licenses or imposes additional restrictions on the operation of any part of our business, it has the power, among other things, to levy fines, confiscate our income, revoke our business licenses, and require us to discontinue our relevant business or impose restrictions on the affected portion of our business. Any of these actions by the PRC government may have a material adverse effect on our business and results of operations. You may experience difficulties in affecting service of legal process, enforcing foreign judgments or bringing actions in China against us or our management named in the prospectus based on foreign laws. 
We are a company incorporated under the laws of the Cayman Islands. We conduct substantially all of our operations in China and substantially all of our assets are located in China. In addition, all our senior executive officers reside within China for a significant portion of the time and most are PRC nationals. As a result, it may be difficult for you to effect service of process upon us or those persons inside mainland China. It may also be difficult for you to enforce in U.S. courts judgments obtained in U.S. courts based on the civil liability provisions of the U.S. federal securities laws against us and our officers and directors as none of them currently resides in the United States or has substantial assets located in the United States. In addition, there is uncertainty as to whether the courts of the Cayman Islands or the PRC would recognize or enforce judgments of U.S. courts against us or such persons predicated upon the civil liability provisions of the securities laws of the United States or any state. The recognition and enforcement of foreign judgments are provided for under the PRC civil procedures law. PRC courts may recognize and enforce foreign judgments in accordance with the requirements of the PRC civil procedures law based either on treaties between China and the country where the judgment is made or on principles of reciprocity between jurisdictions. China does not have any treaties or other forms of written arrangement with the United States that provide for the reciprocal recognition and enforcement of foreign judgments. In addition, according to the PRC civil procedures law, the PRC courts will not enforce a foreign judgment against us or our directors and officers if they decide that the judgment violates the basic principles of PRC laws or national sovereignty, security or public interest. As a result, it is uncertain whether and on what basis a PRC court would enforce a judgment rendered by a court in the United States. We may rely on dividends and other distributions on equity paid by our PRC subsidiaries to fund any cash and financing requirements we may have, and any limitation on the ability of our PRC subsidiaries to make payments to us could have a material and adverse effect on our ability to conduct our business. We are a Cayman Islands holding company and we rely principally on dividends and other distributions on equity from our PRC subsidiaries for our cash requirements, including the funds necessary to pay dividends and other cash distributions to our shareholders for services of any debt we may incur. If any of our PRC subsidiaries incur debt on its own behalf in the future, the instruments governing the debt may restrict its ability to pay dividends or make other distributions to us. Under PRC laws and regulations, our PRC subsidiaries, each of which is a wholly foreign-owned enterprise may pay dividends only out of its respective accumulated profits as determined in accordance with PRC accounting standards and regulations. In addition, a wholly foreign-owned enterprise is required to set aside at least 10% of its after-tax profits each year, if any, to fund a certain statutory reserve fund until the aggregate amount of such fund reaches 50% of its registered capital. At its discretion, a wholly foreign-owned enterprise may allocate a portion of its after-tax profits based on PRC accounting standards to a staff welfare and bonus fund. These reserve fund and staff welfare and bonus fund cannot be distributed to us as dividends. Our PRC subsidiaries generate primarily all of their revenue in renminbi, which is not freely convertible into other currencies. As a result, any restriction on currency exchange may limit the ability of our PRC subsidiaries to use their renminbi revenues to pay dividends to us. The PRC government may continue to strengthen its capital controls, and more restrictions and substantial vetting process may be put forward by safe for cross-border transactions falling under both the current account and the capital account. Any limitation on the ability of our PRC subsidiaries to pay dividends or make other kinds of payments to us could materially and adversely limit our ability to grow, make investments or acquisitions that could be beneficial to our business, pay dividends, or otherwise fund and conduct our business. 
In addition, the Enterprise Income Tax Law and its implementation rules provide that a withholding tax rate of up to 10% will be applicable to dividends payable by Chinese companies to non-PRC resident enterprises unless otherwise exempted or reduced according to treaties or arrangements between the PRC central government and governments of other countries or regions where the non-PRC resident enterprises are incorporated. PRC regulation of loans to indirect investment in PRC entities by offshore holding companies and governmental control of currency conversion may delay or prevent us from using the proceeds of this offering to make loans or additional capital contributions to our PRC subsidiary, which could materially and adversely affect our liquidity and our ability to fund and expand our business. We are an offshore holding company conducting our operations in China. We may make loans to our PRC subsidiaries and buy subject to the approval, registration, and filing with governmental authorities and limitation of amount, or we may make additional capital contributions to our wholly foreign-owned subsidiaries in China. Any loans to our wholly foreign-owned subsidiaries in China, which are treated as foreign invested enterprises under PRC law, are subject to foreign exchange loan registrations. In addition, a foreign invested enterprise shall use its capital pursuant to the principle of authenticity and self-use within its business scope. The capital of a foreign invested enterprise shall not be used for the following purposes, i. directly or indirectly used for payment beyond the business scope of the enterprises or the payment prohibited by relevant laws and regulations. 2. directly or indirectly used for investment in securities or investments other than banks' principal secured products unless otherwise provided by relevant laws and regulations. 3. the granting of loans to non-affiliated enterprises, except where it is expressly permitted in the business license and, 4. Paying the expenses. Related to the purchase of real estate that is not for self-use, except for the foreign invested real estate enterprises. In light of the various requirements imposed by PRC regulations on loans to indirect investment in PRC entities by offshore holding companies, we cannot assure you that we will be able to complete the necessary government registrations or obtain the necessary government approvals or filings on a timely basis, if at all, with respect to future loans by us to our PRC subsidiary or VI or with respect to future capital contributions by us to our PRC subsidiary. If we fail to complete such registrations or obtain such approvals, our ability to use the proceeds from this offering and to capitalize or otherwise fund our PRC operations may be negatively affected, which could materially and adversely affect our liquidity and our ability to fund and expand our business. Fluctuations in exchange rates could have a material and adverse effect on our results of operations and the value of your investment. The value of the renminbi against the US dollar and other currencies may fluctuate and is affected by, among other things, changes in political and economic conditions in China and by China's foreign exchange policies. On July 21, 2005, the PRC government changed its decade-old policy of pegging the value of the renminbi to the US dollar, and the renminbi appreciated more than 20% against the US dollar over the following three years. Between July 2008 and June 2010, this appreciation halted and the exchange rate between the renminbi and the US dollar remained within a narrow band. Since June 2010, the renminbi has fluctuated against the US dollar, at times significantly and unpredictably. On November 30, 2015, the Executive Board of IMF completed the regular five-year review of the basket of currencies that make up the Special Drawing Right, or the SDR, and decided that with effect from October 1, 2016, renminbi is determined to be a freely usable currency and will be included in the SDR basket as a fifth currency, along with the US dollar, the euro, the Japanese yen and the British pound. In the fourth quarter of 2016, the renminbi has depreciated significantly in the backdrop of a surging US dollar and persistent capital outflows of China. This depreciation halted in 2017, 
and the RMB appreciated approximately 7% against the US dollar during this one-year period. With the development of the foreign exchange market and progress towards interest rate liberalization and renminbi internationalization, the PRC government may in the future announce further changes to the exchange rate system, and we cannot assure you that the renminbi will not appreciate or depreciate significantly in value against the US dollar in the future. It is difficult to predict how market forces or PRC or US government policy may impact the exchange rate between the renminbi and the US dollar in the future. Significant revaluation of the renminbi may have a material and adverse effect on your investment. For example, to the extent that we need to convert US dollars we receive from this offering into renminbi for our operations, appreciation of the renminbi against the US dollar would have an adverse effect on the renminbi amount we would receive from the conversion. Conversely, if we decide to convert our renminbi into US dollars for the purpose of making payments for dividends on our ordinary shares or ads or for other business purposes, appreciation of the US dollar against the renminbi would have a negative effect on the US dollar amount available to us. Very limited hedging options are available in China to reduce our exposure to exchange rate fluctuations. To date, we have not entered into any hedging transactions in an effort to reduce our exposure to foreign currency exchange risk. While we may decide to enter into hedging transactions in the future, the availability and effectiveness of these hedges may be limited and we may not be able to adequately hedge our exposure or at all. In addition, our currency exchange losses may be magnified by PRC exchange control regulations that restrict our ability to convert renminbi into foreign currency. Governmental control of currency conversion may limit our ability to utilize our revenues effectively and affect the value of your investment. The PRC government imposes controls on the convertibility of the renminbi into foreign currencies and, in certain cases, the remittance of currency out of China. We receive substantially all of our revenues in renminbi. Under our current corporate structure, our Cayman Islands holding company primarily relies on dividend payments from our PRC subsidiary to fund any cash and financing requirements we may have. Under existing PRC foreign exchange regulations, payments of current account items, including profit distributions, Interest payments and trade and service-related foreign exchange transactions can be made in foreign currencies without prior approval of SAFE by complying with certain procedural requirements. Specifically, under the existing exchange restrictions, without prior approval of SAFE, cash generated from the operations of our PRC subsidiary in China may be used to pay dividends to our company. However, approval from or registration with appropriate government authorities is required where renminbi is to be converted into foreign currency and remitted out of China to pay capital expenses such as the repayment of loans denominated in foreign currencies. As a result, we need to obtain safe approval to use cash generated from the operations of our PRC subsidiary and buy to pay off their respective debt in a currency other than renminbi owed to entities outside China, or to make other capital expenditure payments outside China in a currency other than renminbi. In light of the flood of capital outflows of China, the PRC government may from time to time impose more restrictive foreign exchange policies and step up scrutiny of major outbound capital movement. More restrictions and substantial vetting process may be required by SAFE or other government authorities to regulate cross-border transactions falling under the capital account. The PRC government may at its discretion restrict access to foreign currencies for current account transactions in the future. If the foreign exchange control system prevents us from obtaining sufficient foreign currencies to satisfy our foreign currency demands, we may not be able to pay dividends in foreign currencies to our shareholders, including holders of our ads. Certain PRC regulations may make it more difficult for us to pursue growth through acquisitions. Among other things, the regulations on mergers and acquisitions of domestic enterprises by foreign investors, or the M&A rules, 
adopted by six PRC regulatory agencies in 2006 and amended in 2009, established additional procedures and requirements that could make merger and acquisition activities by foreign investors more time-consuming and complex. Such regulation requires, among other things, that MOFCOM be notified in advance of any change of control transaction in which a foreign investor acquires control of a PRC domestic enterprise and involves any of the following circumstances, i. any important industry is concerned, 2. such transaction involves factors that impact or may impact national economic security, or, 3. such transaction will lead to a change in control of a domestic enterprise which holds a famous trademark or PRC time-honored brand. We do not expect that this offering will trigger MOFCOM pre-notification under each of the above-mentioned circumstances or any review by other PRC government authorities, except as disclosed in risk factors, risks related to doing business in China, the approval of the China Securities Regulatory Commission may be required in connection with this offering, and, if required, we cannot predict whether we will be able to obtain such approval. Moreover, the anti-monopoly law promulgated by the Standing Committee of the NPC which became effective in 2008 requires that transactions which are deemed concentrations and involve parties with specified turnover thresholds must be cleared by MOFCOM before they can be completed. In addition, PRC National Security Review rules that became effective in September 2011 require acquisitions by foreign investors of PRC companies engaged in military-related or certain other industries that are crucial to national security be subject to security review before consummation of any such acquisition. We may pursue potential strategic acquisitions that are complementary to our business and operations. Complying with the requirements of these Regulations to complete such transactions could be time-consuming, and any required approval processes, including obtaining approval or clearance from MOFCOM, may delay or inhibit our ability to complete such transactions, which could affect our ability to expand our business or maintain our market share. PRC regulations relating to offshore investment activities by PRC residents may limit our PRC subsidiaries' ability to change their registered capital or distribute profits to us or otherwise expose us or our PRC resident beneficial owners to liability and penalties under PRC laws. In July 2014, SAFE promulgated the Circular on Relevant Issues Concerning Foreign Exchange Control on Domestic Residents Offshore Investment and Financing and Roundtrip Investment Through Special Purpose Vehicles, or SAFE Circular 37. Safe Circular 37 requires PRC residents, including PRC individuals and PRC corporate entities as well as foreign individuals that are deemed as PRC residents for Foreign Exchange Administration purpose, to register with SAFE or its local branches in connection with their direct or indirect offshore investment activities. Safe Circular 37 further requires amendment to the SAFE registrations in the event of any changes with respect to the basic information of the offshore special purpose vehicle, such as change of a PRC individual shareholder, name and operation term, or any significant changes with respect to the offshore special purpose vehicle, such as increase or decrease of capital contribution, share transfer or exchange, or mergers or divisions. Safe Circular 37 is applicable to our shareholders who are PRC residents and may be applicable to any offshore acquisitions that we make in the future. If our shareholders who are PRC residents fail to make the required registration or to update the previously filed registration, our PRC subsidiaries may be prohibited from distributing their profits or the proceeds from any capital reduction, share transfer or liquidation to us, and we may also be prohibited from making additional capital contributions into our PRC subsidiaries. In February 2015, SAFE promulgated a notice on further simplifying and improving foreign exchange administration policy on direct investment, or SAFE Notice 13, effective June 2015. Under SAFE Notice 13, 
Applications for foreign exchange registration of inbound foreign direct investments and outbound overseas direct investments, including those required under SAFE Circular 37, will be filed with qualified banks instead of SAFE. The qualified banks will directly examine the applications and accept registrations under the supervision of SAFE. All of our shareholders who we are aware of being subject to the SAFE regulations have completed the initial registrations with a local SAFE branch or qualified banks as required by SAFE Circular 37. However, we may not be informed of the identities of all the PRC residents holding direct or indirect interest in our company, and we cannot provide any assurance that these PRC residents will comply with our request to make or obtain any applicable registrations or continuously comply with all requirements under Safe Circular No. 37 or other related rules. The failure or inability of the relevant shareholders to comply with the registration procedures set forth in these regulations may subject us to fines and legal sanctions, such as restrictions on our cross-border investment activities, on the ability of our wholly foreign-owned subsidiaries in China to distribute dividends and the proceeds from any reduction in capital, share transfer or liquidation to us. Moreover, failure to comply with the various foreign exchange registration requirements described above could result in liability under PRC law for circumventing applicable foreign exchange restrictions. As a result, our business operations and our ability to distribute profits to you could be materially and adversely affected. Any failure to comply with PRC regulations regarding the registration requirements for employee stock incentive plans may subject the PRC plan participants or us to fines and other legal or administrative sanctions. In February 2012, SAFE promulgated the notices on issues concerning the Foreign Exchange Administration for domestic individuals participating in stock incentive plan of overseas publicly listed company, replacing earlier rules promulgated in 2007. Pursuant to these rules, PRC citizens and non-PRC citizens who reside in China for a continuous period of not less than one year who participate in any stock incentive plan of an overseas publicly listed company, subject to a few exceptions, are required to register with SAFE through a domestic qualified agent, which could be the PRC subsidiaries of such overseas listed company, and complete certain other procedures. In addition, an overseas entrusted institution must be retained to handle matters in connection with the exercise or sale of stock options and the purchase or sale of shares and interests. We and our executive officers and other employees who are PRC citizens or who reside in the PRC for a continuous period of not less than one year and who have been granted options will be subject to these regulations when our company becomes an overseas listed company upon the completion of this offering. Failure to complete safe registrations may subject them to fines of up to RMB 300,000 for entities and up to RMB 50,000 for individuals and legal sanctions and may also limit our ability to contribute additional capital into our PRC subsidiary and limit our PRC subsidiary's ability to distribute dividends to us. We also face regulatory uncertainties that could restrict our ability to adopt additional incentive plans for our directors, executive officers and employees under PRC law. See regulation, regulations relating to foreign exchange, regulations on stock incentive plans. In addition, the State Administration of Taxation, or SAT, has issued certain circulars concerning employee share options and restricted shares. Under these circulars, our employees working in China who exercise share options or are granted restricted shares will be subject to PRC individual income tax. Our PRC subsidiaries have obligations to file documents related to employee share options or restricted shares with relevant tax authorities and to withhold individual income taxes of those employees who exercise their share options. 
If our employees fail to pay or we fail to withhold their income taxes according to relevant laws and regulations, we may face sanctions imposed by the tax authorities or other PRC government authorities. See regulation, regulations relating to foreign exchange, regulations on stock incentive plans. Certain of our leasehold interests and leased properties have not been registered with the relevant PRC government authorities as required by PRC law, which may expose us to potential fines. Certain of our leasehold interests and leased properties have not been registered with the relevant PRC government authorities as required by PRC law, which may expose us to potential fines if we fail to remediate after receiving any notice from the relevant PRC government authorities. In case of failure to register or file a lease, the parties to the unregistered lease may be ordered to make rectifications, which would involve registering such leases with the relevant authority, before being subject to penalties. The penalty ranges from RMB 1,000 to RMB 10,000 for each unregistered lease, at the discretion of the relevant authority. The law is not clear as to which of the parties, the lessor or the lessee, is liable for the failure to register the lease. Although we have proactively requested that the applicable lessors complete or cooperate with us to complete the registration in a timely manner, we are unable to control whether and when such lessors will do so. In the event that a fine is imposed on both the lessor and lessee, and if we are unable to recover from the lessor any fine paid by us, such fine will be borne by us. If we are classified as a PRC resident enterprise for PRC income tax purposes, such classification could result in unfavorable tax consequences to us and our non-PRC shareholders or ads holders. Under the PRC Enterprise Income Tax Law and its implementation rules, an enterprise established outside of the PRC with de facto management body within the PRC is considered a resident enterprise and will be subject to the enterprise income tax on its global income at the rate of 25%. The implementation rules define the term de facto management body as the body that exercises full and substantial control and overall management over the business, productions, personnel, accounts and properties of an enterprise. In 2009, the State Administration of Taxation, or SAT, issued a circular. Known as SAT Circular 82, which provides certain specific criteria for determining whether the de facto management body of a PRC-controlled enterprise that is incorporated offshore is located in China. Although this circular only applies to offshore enterprises controlled by PRC enterprises or PRC enterprise groups, not those controlled by PRC individuals or foreigners, the criteria set forth in the circular may reflect SAT's general position on how the de facto management body text should be applied in determining the tax resident status of all offshore enterprises. According to SAT Circular 82, an offshore incorporated enterprise controlled by a PRC enterprise or a PRC enterprise group will be regarded as a PRC tax resident by virtue of having its de facto management body in China and will be subject to PRC enterprise income tax on its global income only if all of the following conditions are met. I. The primary location of the day-to-day -day operational management is in the PRC. 2. Decisions relating to the enterprise's financial and human resource matters are made or are subject to approval by organizations or personnel in the PRC. 3. The enterprise's primary assets, accounting books and records, company seals, and board and shareholder resolutions, are located or maintained in the PRC. And, 4. At least 50% of voting board members or senior executives habitually reside in the PRC. We believe that we are not a PRC resident enterprise for PRC tax purposes. However, the tax resident status of an enterprise is subject to determination by the PRC tax authorities and uncertainties remain with respect to the interpretation of the term de facto management body. 
If the PRC tax authorities determine that we are a PRC resident enterprise for enterprise income tax purposes, we could be subject to PRC tax at a rate of 25% on our worldwide income, which could materially reduce our net income, and we may be required to withhold a 10% withholding tax from dividends we pay to our shareholders that are non-resident enterprises, including the holders of our ads. In addition, non-resident enterprise shareholders, including our ads holders, may be subject to PRC tax on gains realized on the sale or other disposition of ads or ordinary shares, if such income is treated as sourced from within the PRC. Furthermore, if we are deemed a PRC resident enterprise, dividends payable to our non-PRC individual shareholders, including our ads holders, and any gain realized on the transfer of ads or ordinary shares by such shareholders may be subject to PRC tax at a rate of 10% in the case of non-PRC enterprises or a rate of 20% in the case of non-PRC individuals unless a reduced rate is available under an applicable tax treaty. It is unclear whether non-PRC shareholders of our company would be able to claim the benefits of any tax treaties between their country of tax residents and the PRC in the event that we are treated as a PRC resident enterprise. Any such tax may reduce the returns on your investment in the ads or ordinary shares. We face uncertainty with respect to indirect transfers of equity interests in PRC resident enterprises by their non-PRC holding companies. Pursuant to the Notice on Strengthening Administration of Enterprise Income Tax for Share Transfers by Non-PRC Resident Enterprises, or SAT Circular 698, issued by SAT in 2009 with retroactive effect from January 1, 2008, where a non-resident enterprise transfers the equity interests of a PRC resident enterprise indirectly by disposition of the equity interests of an overseas holding company, or an indirect transfer, and such overseas holding company is located in a tax jurisdiction that, I, has an effective tax rate less than 12.5% or, 2, does not tax foreign income of its residents, the non-resident enterprise, being the transfer, shall report to the competent tax authority of the PRC resident enterprise this indirect transfer. In February 2015, SAT issued a public notice regarding certain corporate income tax matters on indirect transfer of properties by non-tax resident enterprises, or SAT Circular 7. SAT Circular 7 supersedes the rules with respect to the indirect transfer under SAT Circular 698, but does not touch upon the other provisions of SAT Circular 698, which remain in force. SAT Circular 7 has introduced a new tax regime that is significantly different from the previous one under SAT Circular 698. SAT Circular 7 extends its tax jurisdiction to not only indirect transfers set forth under SAT Circular 698 but also transactions involving transfer of other taxable assets through offshore transfer of a foreign intermediate holding company. In addition, SAT Circular 7 provides clearer criteria than SAT Circular 698 for assessment of reasonable commercial purposes and has introduced safe harbors for internal group restructurings and the purchase and sale of equity through a public securities market. SAT Circular 7 also brings challenges to both foreign transferor and transferee, or other person who is obligated to pay for the transfer, of taxable assets. Where a non-resident enterprise transfers taxable assets indirectly by disposing of the equity interests of an overseas holding company, which is an indirect transfer, the non-resident enterprise is either transferor or transferee, or the PRC entity that directly owns the taxable assets, may report such indirect transfer to the relevant tax authority. Using a substance over form principle, the PRC tax authority may disregard the existence of the overseas holding company if it lacks a reasonable commercial purpose and was established for the purpose of reducing, avoiding or deferring PRC tax. As a result, 
gains derived from such indirect transfer may be subject to PRC enterprise income tax, and the transferee or other person who is obligated to pay for the transfer is obligated to withhold the applicable taxes, currently at a rate of 10% for the transfer of equity interests in a PRC resident enterprise. Both the transferer and the transferee may be subject to penalties under PRC tax laws if the transferee fails to withhold the taxes and the transferer fails to pay the taxes. In October 2017, SAT issued an announcement on issues relating to withholding its source of income tax of non-resident enterprises, or SAT Circular 37. Effective December 2017, SAT Circular 37, among others, repealed the Circular 698 and amended certain provisions in SAT Circular 7. According to SAT Circular 37, where the non-resident enterprise fails to declare the tax payable pursuant to Article 39 of the Enterprise Income Tax, the tax authority may order it to pay the tax due within required time limits, and the non-resident enterprise shall declare and pay the tax payable within such time limits specified by the tax authority. However, if the non-resident enterprise voluntarily declares and pays the tax payable before the tax authority orders it to do so within required time limits, it shall be deemed that such enterprise has paid the tax in time. We face uncertainties as to the reporting and other implications of certain past and future transactions where PRC taxable assets are involved, such as offshore restructuring, sale of the shares in our offshore subsidiaries and investments. Our company may be subject to filing obligations or taxed if our company is transferor in such transactions, and may be subject to withholding obligations if our company is transferee in such transactions, under SAT Circular 7 and SAT Circular 37. For transfer of shares in our company by investors who are non-PRC resident enterprises, our PRC subsidiary may be requested to assist in the filing under the SAT circulars. As a result, we may be required to expend valuable resources to comply with the SAT circulars or to request the relevant transfers from whom we purchase taxable assets to comply with these circulars, or to establish that our company should not be taxed under these circulars, which may have a material adverse effect on our financial condition and results of operations. The approval of the China Securities Regulatory Commission may be required in connection with this offering, and, if required, we cannot predict whether we will be able to obtain such approval. The regulations on mergers and acquisitions of domestic companies by foreign investors, or the M&A rules, adopted by six PRC regulatory agencies requires an overseas special purpose vehicles that are controlled by PRC companies or individuals formed for the purpose of seeking a public listing on an overseas stock exchange through acquisitions of PRC domestic companies using shares of such special purpose vehicles or held by its shareholders as considerations to obtain the approval of the China Securities Regulatory Commission, or the CSRC, prior to the listing and trading of such special purpose vehicles securities on an overseas stock exchange. However, the application of the M&A rules remains unclear. If CSRC approval is required, it is uncertain whether it would be possible for us to obtain the approval, and any failure to obtain or delay in obtaining CSRC approval for this offering would subject us to sanctions imposed by the CSRC and other PRC regulatory agencies. Our PRC Council has advised us based on their understanding of the current PRC laws, rules and regulations that the CSRC's approval may not be required for the listing and trading of our ads as on the NASDAQ Global Select Market in the context of this offering, given that, I, our PRC subsidiaries were incorporated as wholly foreign-owned enterprises by means of direct investment rather than by merger or acquisition of equity interest or assets of a PRC domestic company owned by PRC companies or individuals as defined under the M&A rules that are our beneficial owners, and, two, we do not constitute a special-purpose vehicle, to which the relevant provisions of the M&A rules are applicable. 
However, our PRC Council has further advised us that there remains some uncertainty as to how the M&A rules will be interpreted or implemented in the context of an overseas offering and its opinions summarized above are subject to any new laws, rules and regulations or detailed implementations and interpretations in any form relating to the M&A rules. We cannot assure you that relevant PRC government agencies, including the CSRC, would reach the same conclusion as we do. If it is determined that CSRC approval is required for this offering, we may face sanctions by the CSRC or other PRC regulatory agencies for failure to seek CSRC approval for this offering. These sanctions may include fines and penalties on our operations in the PRC, limitations on our operating privileges in the PRC, delays in or restrictions on the repatriation of the proceeds from this offering into the PRC, restrictions on or prohibition of the payments or remittance of dividends by our subsidiaries in China, or other actions that could have a material and adverse effect on our business, financial condition, results of operations, reputation and prospects, as well as the trading price of our ads. The CSRC or other PRC regulatory agencies may also take actions requiring us, or making it advisable for us, to halt this offering before the settlement and delivery of the ads that we are offering. Consequently, if you engage in market trading or other activities in anticipation of and prior to the settlement and delivery of the ads we are offering, you would be doing so at the risk that the settlement and delivery may not occur. In addition, if the CSRC or other regulatory agencies later promulgate new rules or explanations requiring that we obtain their approvals for this offering, we may be unable to obtain a waiver of such approval requirements, if and when procedures are established to obtain such a waiver. The audit report included in this prospectus is prepared by an auditor who is not inspected by the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board and, as such, you are deprived of the benefits of such inspection. Our independent registered public accounting firm that issues the audit reports included in this annual report, as an auditor of companies that are traded publicly in the United States and a firm registered with the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, or the PKOB, is required by the laws of the United States to undergo regular inspections by the PKOB to assess its compliance with the laws of the United States and professional standards. Because our auditors are located in China, a jurisdiction where the PKOB is currently unable to conduct inspections without the approval of the Chinese authorities, our auditors are not currently inspected by the PKOB. Inspections of other firms that the PKOB has conducted outside of China have identified deficiencies in those firms' audit procedures and quality control procedures, which may be addressed as part of the inspection process to improve future audit quality. The lack of PKOB inspections in China prevents the PKOB from regularly evaluating our auditors' audits and its quality control procedures. As a result, investors may be deprived of the benefits of PKOB inspections. The inability of the PKOB to conduct inspections of auditors in China makes it more difficult to evaluate the effectiveness of our auditors' audit procedures or quality control procedures as compared to auditors outside of China that are subject to PKOB inspections. Investors may lose confidence in our reported financial information and procedures and the quality of our financial statements. Proceedings instituted by the SEC against Chinese affiliates of the big four accounting firms, including our independent registered public accounting firm, could result in financial statements being determined to not be in compliance with the requirements of the Exchange Act. Starting in 2011, the Chinese affiliates of the big four accounting firms, including our independent registered public accounting firm, were affected by a conflict between U.S. and Chinese law. Specifically, for certain U.S.-listed companies operating and audited in mainland China, the SEC and the PKOB sought to obtain from the Chinese firms access to their audit work papers and related documents. The firms were, however, advised and directed that under Chinese law, 
they could not respond directly to the U.S. regulators on those requests, and that requests by foreign regulators for access to such papers in China had to be channeled through the CSRC. In late 2012, this impasse led the SEC to commence administrative proceedings under Rule 102E of its Rules of Practice and also under the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002 against the Chinese accounting firms, including our independent registered public accounting firm. A first-instance trial of the proceedings in July 2013 in the SEC's internal administrative court resulted in an adverse judgment against the firms. The administrative law judge proposed penalties on the firms including a temporary suspension of their right to practice before the SEC, although that proposed penalty did not take effect pending review by the commissioners of the SEC. On February 6, 2015, before a review by the commissioner had taken place, the firms reached a settlement with the SEC. Under the settlement, the SEC accepts that future requests by the SEC for the production of documents will normally be made to the CSRC. The firms will receive matching Section 106 requests, and are required to abide by a detailed set of procedures with respect to such requests, which in substance require them to facilitate production via the CSRC. If they fail to meet specified criteria, the SEC retains authority to impose a variety of additional remedial measures on the firms depending on the nature of the failure. Remedies for any future noncompliance could include, as appropriate, an automatic six-month bar on a single firm's performance of certain audit work, commencement of a new proceeding against a firm, or in extreme cases the resumption of the current proceeding against all four firms. If additional remedial measures are imposed on the Chinese affiliates of the big four accounting firms, including our independent registered public accounting firm, in administrative proceedings brought by the SEC alleging the firm's failure to meet specific criteria set by the SEC with respect to requests for the production of documents, we could be unable to timely file future financial statements in compliance with the requirements of the Exchange Act. In the event that the SEC restarts the administrative proceedings, depending upon the final outcome, listed companies in the United States with major PRC operations may find it difficult or impossible to retain auditors in respect of their operations in the PRC, which could result in financial statements being determined to not be in compliance with the requirements of the Exchange Act, including possible delisting. Moreover, any negative news about any such future proceedings against these audit firms may cause investor uncertainty regarding China-based, U.S.-listed companies and the market price of our common stock may be adversely affected. If our independent registered public accounting firm was denied, even temporarily, the ability to practice before the SEC and we were unable to timely find another registered public accounting firm to audit and issue an opinion on our financial statements, our financial statements could be determined not to be in compliance with the requirements of the Exchange Act. Such a determination could ultimately lead to the delisting of our ads from the NASDAQ Global Select Market or deregistration from the SEC, or both, which would substantially reduce or effectively terminate the trading of our ads in the United States. Risks related to our ads in this offering An active trading market for our ordinary shares or our ads may not develop and the trading price for our ads may fluctuate significantly. We are applying to list our ads on the NASDAQ Global Select Market. We have no current intention to seek a listing for our ordinary shares on any stock exchange. Prior to the completion of this offering, there has been no public market for our ads or our ordinary shares, and we cannot assure you that a liquid public market for our ads will develop. If an active public market for our ads does not develop following the completion of this offering, the market price and liquidity of our ads may be materially and adversely affected. The initial public offering price for our ads will be determined by negotiation between us and the underwriters based upon several factors, and we can provide no assurance that the trading price of our ads after this offering will not decline below the initial public offering price. 
As a result, investors in our securities may experience a significant decrease in the value of their ads. The trading price of our ads is likely to be volatile, which could result in substantial losses to investors. The trading price of our ads is likely to be volatile and could fluctuate widely due to factors beyond our control. This may happen because of broad market and industry factors, including the performance and fluctuation of the market prices of other companies with business operations located mainly in China that have listed their securities in the United States. In addition to market and industry factors, the price and trading volume for our ads may be highly volatile for factors specific to our own operations, including the following. Variations in our revenues, earnings and cash flow. Announcements of new investments, acquisitions, strategic partnerships or joint ventures by us or our competitors. Announcements of new offerings, solutions and expansions by us or our competitors. Changes in financial estimates by securities analysts. Detrimental adverse publicity about us, our brand, our services or our industry. Additions or departures of key personnel. Release of lockup or other transfer restrictions on our outstanding equity securities or sales of additional equity securities, and potential litigation or regulatory investigations. Any of these factors may result in large and sudden changes in the volume and price at which our ads will trade. In the past, shareholders of public companies have often brought securities class action suits against those companies following periods of instability in the market price of their securities. If we were involved in a class action suit, it could divert a significant amount of our management's attention and, and other resources from our business and operations and require us to incur significant expenses to defend the suit, which could harm our results of operations. Any such class action suit, whether or not successful, could harm our reputation and restrict our ability to raise capital in the future. In addition, if a claim is successfully made against us, we may be required to pay significant damages, which could have a material adverse effect on our financial condition and results of operations. Our dual class share structure with different voting rights will limit your ability to influence corporate matters and could discourage others from pursuing any change of control transactions that holders of our class A ordinary shares and ads may view as beneficial. Immediately prior to the completion of this offering, we expect to create a dual class share structure such that our ordinary shares will consist of class A ordinary shares and class B ordinary shares. In respect of matters requiring the votes of shareholders, Holders of class A ordinary shares will be entitled to 1 vote per share, while holders of class B ordinary shares will be entitled to 10 votes per share based on our proposed dual class share structure. We will sell class A ordinary shares represented by our ads in this offering. Each class B ordinary share is convertible into one class A ordinary share at any time by the holder thereof, while class A ordinary shares are not convertible into class B ordinary shares under any circumstances. Upon any sale or transfer of Class B ordinary shares by a holder thereof to any person other than Mr. Zheng Huang or any entity which is not ultimately controlled by Mr. Zheng Huang, such Class B ordinary shares shall be automatically and immediately converted into the same number of Class A ordinary shares. Immediately prior to the completion of this offering, our founder, chairman of the board of directors and chief executive officer, Mr. Zheng Huang, will beneficially own all of our issued Class B ordinary shares. These Class B ordinary shares will constitute approximately 46.8% of our total issued and outstanding share capital immediately after the completion of this offering and 89.8% of the aggregate voting power of our total issued and outstanding share capital immediately after the completion of this offering due to the disparate voting powers associated with our dual class share structure, assuming the underwriters do not exercise their overlotment option. See Principal Shareholders. As a result of the dual class share structure and the concentration of ownership, 
holders of Class B ordinary shares will have considerable influence over matters such as decisions regarding mergers, consolidations and the sale of all or substantially all of our assets, election of directors and other significant corporate actions. Such holders may take actions that are not in the best interest of us or our other shareholders. This concentration of ownership may discourage, delay or prevent a change in control of our company, which could have the effect of depriving our other shareholders of the opportunity to receive a premium for their shares as part of a sale of our company and may reduce the price of our ads. This concentrated control will limit your ability to influence corporate matters and could discourage others from pursuing any potential merger, takeover or other change of control transactions that holders of Class A ordinary shares and ads may view as beneficial. The dual class structure of our ordinary shares may adversely affect the trading market for our ads. S&P Dow Jones and FTSE Russell have recently announced changes to their eligibility criteria for inclusion of shares of public companies on certain indices, including the S&P 500, to exclude companies with multiple classes of shares and companies whose public shareholders hold no more than 5% of total voting power from being added to such indices. In addition, several shareholder advisory firms have announced their opposition to the use of multiple class structures. As a result, the dual class structure of our ordinary shares may prevent the inclusion of our ads as representing class A ordinary shares in such indices and may cause shareholder advisory firms to publish negative commentary about our corporate governance practices or otherwise seek to cause us to change our capital structure. Any such exclusion from indices could result in a less active trading market for our ads. Any actions or publications by shareholder advisory firms critical of our corporate governance practices or capital structure could also adversely affect the value of our ads. If securities or industry analysts do not publish research or reports about our business, or if they adversely change their recommendations regarding our ads, the market price for our ads and trading volume could decline. The trading market for our ads will be influenced by research or reports that industry or securities analysts publish about our business. If one or more analysts who cover us downgrade our ads, the market price for our ads would likely decline. If one or more of these analysts cease to cover us or fail to regularly publish reports on us, we could lose visibility in the financial markets, which in turn could cause the market price or trading volume for our ads to decline. The sale or availability for sale of substantial amounts of our ads could adversely affect their market price. Sales of substantial amounts of our ads in the public market after the completion of this offering, or the perception that these sales could occur, could adversely affect the market price of our ads and could materially impair our ability to raise capital through equity offerings in the future. The ads is sold in this offering will be freely tradable without restriction or further registration under the Securities Act, and shares held by our existing shareholders may also be sold in the public market in the future subject to the restrictions in Rule 144 and Rule 701 under the Securities Act and in the applicable lockup agreements. There will be 85,600,000 ads, equivalent to 342,400,000 Class A ordinary shares, outstanding immediately after this offering, or 98,440,000 ads, equivalent to 393,760,000 Class A ordinary shares, if the underwriters exercise their overlotment option in full. In connection with this offering, we, our directors and officers, our existing shareholders and certain of our option holders have agreed not to sell any ordinary shares or ads for 180 days after the date of this prospectus without the prior written consent of the underwriters, subject to certain exceptions. However, the underwriters may release these securities from these restrictions at any time, subject to applicable regulations of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority Incorporated. We cannot predict what effect, 
if any, market sales of securities held by our significant shareholders or any other shareholder or the availability of these securities for future sale will have on the market price of our ads. See underwriting and shares eligible for future sales for a more detailed description of the restrictions on selling our securities after this offering. Because we do not expect to pay dividends in the foreseeable future after this offering, you must rely on a price appreciation of our ads for return on your investment. We currently intend to retain most, if not all, of our available funds and any future earnings after this offering to fund the development and growth of our business. As a result, we do not expect to pay any cash dividends in the foreseeable future. Therefore, you should not rely on an investment in our ads as a source for any future dividend income. Our board of directors has complete discretion as to whether to distribute dividends, subject to certain requirements of Cayman Islands law. In addition, our shareholders may by ordinary resolution declare a dividend, but no dividend may exceed the amount recommended by our directors. Under Cayman Islands law, a Cayman Islands company may pay a dividend out of either profit or share premium account, provided that in no circumstances may a dividend be paid if this would result in the company being unable to pay its debts as they fall due in the ordinary course of business. Even if our board of directors decides to declare and pay dividends, the timing, amount and form of future dividends, if any, will depend on our future results of operations and cash flow, our capital requirements and surplus, the amount of distributions, if any, received by us from our subsidiaries, our financial condition, contractual restrictions and other factors deemed relevant by our board of directors. Accordingly, the return on your investment in our ads will likely depend entirely upon any future price appreciation of our ads. There is no guarantee that our ads will appreciate in value after this offering or even maintain the price at which you purchase the ads. You may not realize a return on your investment in our ads and you may even lose your entire investment in our ads. We have not determined a specific use for a portion of the net proceeds from this offering and we may use these proceeds in ways with which you may not agree. We have not determined a specific use for a portion of the net proceeds of this offering and our management will have considerable discretion in deciding how to apply these proceeds. You will not have the opportunity to assess whether the proceeds are being used appropriately before you make your investment decision. You must rely on the judgment of our management regarding the application of the net proceeds of this offering. We cannot assure you that the net proceeds will be used in a manner that would improve our results of operations or increase our ads price, nor that these net proceeds will be placed only in investments that generate income or appreciate in value. Our memorandum and articles of association contain anti-takeover provisions that could have a material adverse effect on the rights of holders of our ordinary shares and ads. We have adopted amended and restated memorandum and articles of association that will become effective immediately prior to the completion of this offering. Our new memorandum and articles of association contain provisions to limit the ability of others to acquire control of our company or cause us to engage in change of control transactions. These provisions could have the effect of depriving our shareholders of an opportunity to sell their shares at a premium over prevailing market prices by discouraging third parties from seeking to obtain control of our company in a tender offer or similar transaction. Our plan dual class voting structure gives disproportionate voting power to the class B ordinary shares. Our board of directors has the authority, without further action by our shareholders, to issue preferred shares in one or more series and to fix their designations, powers, preferences, privileges, and relative participating, optional or special rights and the qualifications, limitations or restrictions, including dividend rights, conversion rights, voting rights, terms of redemption and liquidation preferences, any or all of which may be greater than the rights associated with our ordinary shares, in the form of ads or otherwise. 
Preferred shares could be issued quickly with terms calculated to delay or prevent a change in control of our company or make removal of management more difficult. If our board of directors decides to issue preferred shares, the price of our ads may fall and the voting and other rights of the holders of our ordinary shares and ads may be materially and adversely affected. You may face difficulties in protecting your interests, and your ability to protect your rights through U.S. courts may be limited, because we are incorporated under Cayman Islands law. We are an exempted company incorporated under the laws of the Cayman Islands. Our corporate affairs are governed by our Memorandum and Articles of Association, the company's law, 2018 revision, of the Cayman Islands and the common law of the Cayman Islands. The rights of shareholders to take action against our directors, actions by our minority shareholders and the fiduciary duties of our directors to us under Cayman Islands law are to a large extent governed by the common law of the Cayman Islands. The common law of the Cayman Islands is derived in part from comparatively limited judicial precedent in the Cayman Islands as well as from the common law of England, the decisions of whose courts are of persuasive authority, but are not binding, on a court in the Cayman Islands. The rights of our shareholders and the fiduciary duties of our directors under Cayman Islands law are not as clearly established as they would be under statutes or judicial precedent in some jurisdictions in the United States. In particular, the Cayman Islands has a less developed body of securities laws than the United States. Some U.S. states, such as Delaware, have more fully developed and judicially interpreted bodies of corporate law than the Cayman Islands. In addition, Cayman Islands companies may not have standing to initiate a shareholder derivative action in a federal court of the United States. Shareholders of Cayman Islands exempted companies like us have no general rights under Cayman Islands law to inspect corporate records or to obtain copies of lists of shareholders of these companies. Our directors have discretion under our Articles of Association that will become effective immediately prior to completion of this offering to determine whether or not, and under what conditions, our corporate records may be inspected by our shareholders, but are not obliged to make them available to our shareholders. This may make it more difficult for you to obtain the information needed to establish any facts necessary for a shareholder motion or to solicit proxies from other shareholders in connection with a proxy contest. As a result of all of the above, our public shareholders may have more difficulty in protecting their interests in the face of actions taken by management, members of the board of directors or controlling shareholders than they would as public shareholders of a company incorporated in the United States. For a discussion of significant differences between the provisions of the company's law of the Cayman Islands and the laws applicable to companies incorporated in the United States and their shareholders, see Description of Share Capital, Differences in Corporate Law. Certain judgments obtained against us by our shareholders may not be enforceable. We are a Cayman Islands company and substantially all of our assets are located outside of the United States. Substantially all of our current operations are conducted in China. In addition, most of our current directors and officers are nationals and residents of countries other than the United States. Substantially all of the assets of these persons are located outside the United States. As a result, it may be difficult or impossible for you to bring an action against us or against these individuals in the United States in the event that you believe that your rights have been infringed under the U.S. federal securities laws or otherwise. Even if you are successful in bringing an action of this kind, the laws of the Cayman Islands and of China may render you unable to enforce a judgment against our assets or the assets of our directors and officers. For more information regarding the relevant laws of the Cayman Islands and China, see Enforceability of Civil Liabilities. The voting rights of holders of ads are limited by the terms of the deposit agreement, and you may not be able to exercise your right to vote your Class A ordinary shares. Holders of ads do not have the same rights as our registered shareholders. As a holder of our ads, you will not have any direct right to attend general meetings of our shareholders or to cast any votes at such meetings.
As an ads holder, you will only be able to exercise the voting rights carried by the underlying Class A ordinary shares indirectly by giving voting instructions to the depositary in accordance with the provisions of the deposit agreement. Under the deposit agreement, you may vote only by giving voting instructions to the depositary. Under the deposit agreement, you may vote only by giving voting instructions to the depositary. Upon receipt of your voting instructions, the depositary will try, as far as is practicable, to vote the Class A ordinary shares underlying your ads as in accordance with your instructions. If we ask for your instructions, then upon receipt of your voting instructions, the depository will try to vote the underlying Class A ordinary shares in accordance with these instructions. If we do not instruct the depository to ask for your instructions, the depository may still vote in accordance with instructions you give, but it is not required to do so. You will not be able to directly exercise your right to vote with respect to the underlying Class A ordinary shares unless you withdraw the shares, and become the registered holder of such shares prior to the record date for the general meeting. When a general meeting is convened, you may not receive sufficient advance notice of the meeting to withdraw the shares underlying your ads and become the registered holder of such shares to allow you to attend the general meeting and to vote directly with respect to any specific matter or resolution to be considered and voted upon at the general meeting. In addition, under our post-offering memorandum and articles of association that will become effective prior to completion of this offering, for the purposes of determining those shareholders who are entitled to attend and vote at any general meeting, our directors may close our register of members and or fix in advance a record date for such meeting, and such closure of our register of members or the setting of such a record date may prevent you from withdrawing the Class A ordinary shares underlying your ads and becoming the registered holder of such shares prior to the record date, so that you would not be able to attend the general meeting or to vote directly. If we ask for your instructions, the depository will notify you of the upcoming vote and will arrange to deliver our voting materials to you. We have agreed to give the depository notice of shareholder meetings sufficiently in advance of such meetings. Nevertheless, we cannot assure you that you will receive the voting materials in time to ensure that you can instruct the depository to vote the underlying Class A ordinary shares represented by your ads. In addition, the depository and its agents are not responsible for failing to carry out voting instructions or for their manner of carrying out your voting instructions. The deposit agreement provides that if the depository does not timely receive voting instructions from the ads holders and if voting is by pull, then such holder shall be deemed, and the depository shall deem such holder, to have instructed the depository to give a discretionary proxy to a person designated by us to vote the Class A ordinary shares underlying the relevant ads, with certain limited exceptions. This means that you may not be able to exercise your right to direct how the shares underlying your ads are voted and you may have no legal remedy if the shares underlying your ads are not voted as you requested. You may experience dilution of your holdings due to the inability to participate in rights offerings. We may, from time to time, distribute rights to our shareholders, including rights to acquire securities. Under the deposit agreement, the depository will not distribute rights to holders of ads unless the distribution and sale of rights and the securities to which these rights relate are either exempt from registration under the Securities Act with respect to all holders of ads or are registered under the provisions of the Securities Act. The depository may, but is not required to, attempt to sell these undistributed rights to third parties, and may allow the rights to lapse. We may be unable to establish an exemption from registration under the Securities Act, and we are under no obligation to file a registration statement with respect to these rights or underlying securities or to endeavor to have a registration statement declared effective. Accordingly, holders of ads may be unable to participate in our rights offerings and may experience dilution of their holdings as a result. You may be subject to limitations on the transfer of your ads. 
your ads is are transferable on the books of the depository. However, the depository may close its books at any time or from time to time when it deems it expedient in connection with the performance of its duties. The depository may close its books from time to time for a number of reasons, including in connection with corporate events such as a rights offering, during which time the depository needs to maintain an exact number of ads holders on its books for a specified period. The depository may also close its books in emergencies, and on weekends and public holidays. The depository may refuse to deliver, transfer or register transfers of our ads as generally when our share register or the books of the depository are closed, or any time if we or the depository thinks it is advisable to do so because of any requirement of law or of any government or governmental body, or under any provision of the deposit agreement, or for any other reason. Your investment in our ads is may be impacted if we are encouraged to issue CDRs in the future. Currently the Chinese central government is proposing new rules that would allow Chinese technology companies listed outside China to list on the mainland stock market through the creation of Chinese depository receipts, or CDRs. Once the CDR mechanism is in place, we might consider and be encouraged by the evolving Chinese governmental policies to issue CDRs and allow investors to trade our CDRs on Chinese stock exchanges. However, there are uncertainties as to whether a pursuit of CDRs in China would bring positive or negative impact on your investment in our ads. We are an emerging growth company within the meaning of the Securities Act and may take advantage of certain reduced reporting requirements. We are an emerging growth company, as defined in the Jobs Act, and we may take advantage of certain exemptions from requirements applicable to other public companies that are not emerging growth companies including, most significantly, not being required to comply with the auditor attestation requirements of Section 404 of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002 for so long as we remain an emerging growth company. As a result, if we elect not to comply with such auditor attestation requirements, our investors may not have access to certain information they may deem important. We will incur increased costs as a result of being a public company, particularly after we cease to qualify as an emerging growth company. Upon completion of this offering, we will become a public company and expect to incur significant legal, accounting and other expenses that we did not incur as a private company. The Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002, as well as rules subsequently implemented by the SEC and the NASDAQ stock market, impose various requirements on the corporate governance practices of public companies. As a company with less than 1.07 billion US dollars in revenues for our last fiscal year, we qualify as an emerging growth company pursuant to the Jobs Act. An emerging growth company may take advantage of specified reduced reporting and other requirements that are otherwise applicable generally to public companies. These provisions include exemption from the auditor attestation requirement under Section 404 of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002, or Section 404, in the assessment of the emerging growth company's internal control over financial reporting. The Jobs Act also permits an emerging growth company to delay adopting new or revised accounting standards until such time as those standards apply to private companies. We elected to take advantage of the extended transition period. However, this election will not apply should we cease to be an emerging growth company. We expect these rules and regulations to increase our legal and financial compliance costs and to make some corporate activities more time-consuming and costly. After we are no longer an emerging growth company, we expect to incur significant expenses and devote substantial management effort toward ensuring compliance with the requirements of Section 404 of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002 and the other rules and regulations of the SEC. For example, as a result of becoming a public company, we will need to increase the number of independent directors and adopt policies regarding internal controls and disclosure controls and procedures. 
We also expect that operating as a public company will make it more difficult and more expensive for us to obtain director and officer liability insurance, and we may be required to accept reduced policy limits and coverage or incur substantially higher costs to obtain the same or similar coverage. In addition, we will incur additional costs associated with our public company reporting requirements. It may also be more difficult for us to find qualified persons to serve on our board of directors or as executive officers. We are currently evaluating and monitoring developments with respect to these rules and regulations, and we cannot predict or estimate with any degree of certainty the amount of additional costs we may incur or the timing of such costs. As a company incorporated in the Cayman Islands, we are permitted to adopt certain home country practices in relation to corporate governance matters that differ significantly from the NASDAQ corporate governance listing standards. These practices may afford less protection to shareholders than they would enjoy if we complied fully with the NASDAQ corporate governance listing standards. As a Cayman Islands company listed on NASDAQ stock market, we are subject to the NASDAQ stock market corporate governance listing standards. However, NASDAQ stock market rules permit a foreign private issuer like us to follow the corporate governance practices of its home country. Certain corporate governance practices in the Cayman Islands, which is our home country, may differ significantly from the NASDAQ stock market corporate governance listing standards. Currently, we do not plan to rely on home country practices with respect to our corporate governance after we complete this offering. However, if we choose to follow home country practices in the future, our shareholders may be afforded less protection than they would otherwise enjoy under the NASDAQ stock market corporate governance listing standards applicable to U.S. domestic issuers. There can be no assurance that we will not be classified as a passive foreign investment company, or PFIC, for U.S. federal income tax purposes for any taxable year, which could subject U.S. investors in our ADSAs or Class A ordinary shares to significant adverse U.S. income tax consequences. We will be a passive foreign investment company, or PFIC, if, in any particular taxable year, either, a 75% or more of our gross income for such year consists of certain types of passive income or, be 50% or more of the average quarterly value of our assets, as determined on the basis of fair market value, during such year produce or are held for the production of passive income, the asset test. Although the law in this regard is unclear, we intend to treat our VI, including its subsidiaries, as being owned by us for U.S. federal income tax purposes, not only because we exercise effective control over the operation of such entity but also because we are entitled to substantially all of its economic benefits, and, as a result, we consolidate its results of operations in our consolidated financial statements. Assuming that we are the owner of our VI, including its subsidiaries, for U.S. federal income tax purposes, and based upon our current and expected income and assets, including goodwill, taking into account the expected proceeds from this offering, and projections as to the market price of our ads as following the offering, we do not presently expect to be a PIC for the current taxable year or the foreseeable future. While we do not expect to become a PIC, because the value of our assets for purposes of the asset test may be determined by reference to the market price of our ads as, fluctuations in the market price of our ads as may cause us to become a PIC for the current or subsequent taxable years. The determination of whether we will be or become a PIC will also depend, in part, on the composition of our income and assets, which may be affected by how, and how quickly, we use our liquid assets and the cash raised in this offering. If we determine not to deploy significant amounts of cash for active purposes or if it were determined that we do not own the stock of our VI for U.S. federal income tax purposes, our risk of being a PIC may substantially increase. Because there are uncertainties in the application of the relevant rules and fixed status is a factual determination made annually after the close of each taxable year, there can be no assurance that we will not be a PIC for the current taxable year or any future taxable year.
If we are a pick in any taxable year, a U.S. holder, as defined in taxation, U.S. federal income tax considerations, may incur significantly increased U.S. income tax on gain recognized on the sale or other disposition of the ADSAs or Class A ordinary shares and on the receipt of distributions on the ADSAs or Class A ordinary shares to the extent such gain or distribution is treated as an excess distribution under the U.S. federal income tax rules and such holder may be subject to burdensome reporting requirements. Further, if we are a pick for any year during which a U.S. holder holds our ADSAs or Class A ordinary shares, we generally will continue to be treated as a pick for all succeeding years during which such U.S. holder holds our ADSAs or Class A ordinary shares. For more information see Taxation, U.S. Federal Income Tax Considerations, Passive Foreign Investment Company Considerations. 61. Industry. Large and fast-growing retail market in China. China's real GDP reached RMB 82.7 trillion, 13.2 trillion US dollars, in 2017, according to the National Bureau of Statistics of China, or NBS. According to International Monetary Fund, or IMF, China's real GDP is projected to grow at a rate of no less than 6.3% per annum through to 2020. Meanwhile, real consumption growth in China is projected to outpace China's real GDP growth at a compound annual growth rate, or CAGR, of 7.5% per annum from 2017 to 2020, according to IMF. Over the past five years, China's retail market has experienced substantial growth. The total retail sales of consumer goods in China increased from RMB 24.3 trillion, 3.9 trillion US dollars, in 2013 to RMB 36.6 trillion, 5.8 trillion US dollars, in 2017, according to NBS. China's retail market is expected to continue to experience strong growth, and the overall retail market size expected to exceed RMB 48.0 trillion, 7.7 trillion US dollars, in 2020, according to the Ministry of Commerce's 13th five-year plan for domestic trade. In 2014, population in Tier 1 and Tier 2 cities amounted to 338 million while population in lower-tier cities and rural areas amounted to 1,030 million, according to NBS. The spending power growth of lower-tier cities' population is outpacing that of Tier 1 and Tier 2 cities, and the increased spending power of these lower-tier cities represent massive opportunities for retailers. Thriving e-commerce industry in China According to our research, China's online retail market has increased from RMB 1.9 trillion, 0.3 trillion US dollars, in 2013 to RMB 6.1 trillion, 1.0 trillion US dollars, in 2017, representing a CAGR of 33.9%, and is projected to reach RMB 10.8 trillion, 1.7 trillion US dollars, by 2020. At the same time, China's online shopping population grew from 302 million in 2013 to 533 million out of 753 million mobile internet users in 2017, according to China Internet Network Information Center, Orknik. We believe the following trends are reshaping the future form of the e-commerce market in China. Penetration of mobile shopping. With the rapid adoption of smartphones and tablets, as well as the development of 4G networks and Wi-Fi services, mobile shopping has become the dominant form of online retail in China, as consumers increasingly use their fragmented time to browse and shop anywhere, anytime. According to Knick, the mobile internet population in China increased from 500 million in 2013 to 753 million in 2017. The penetration rate of mobile internet in China, as measured by mobile internet population among all internet users, reached 97.5% in 2017, according to the same source. On average, 
A user in China spent 104.5 hours per month on mobile internet in 2017 compared to 100.7 hours per month in 2016, according to Quest Mobile. The ability of users to shop anywhere, anytime during their fragmented time on their mobile devices has contributed to the rise of a discovery-based shopping experience compared with a conventional search-based model on PC. Extensive Logistics Infrastructure and Convenience of Mobile Payment China has developed an extensive and rapidly improving logistics infrastructure, consisting of nationwide, regional and local delivery services covering almost every corner of China. At the same time, the convenience of mobile payment has accelerated its adoption by consumers. As of December 31, 2017, there were 527 million online payment users in China, according to CNIC, with the penetration rate among mobile users reaching almost 70.0%. The total transaction volume of mobile payments in China is forecasted to reach RMB 388.6 trillion, 62.0 trillion US dollars, by 2020, representing a CAGR of 35.9% from 2017, according to I. Research. Rising spending power in lower-tier cities in China. According to McKinsey, the total spending of lower-tier cities on e-commerce reached that of Tier 1 and Tier 2 cities for the first time in 2015. Meanwhile, in 2015, China's online shopper base was 257 million in lower-tier cities, compared with 183 million online shoppers in Tier 1 and Tier 2 cities. As such, lower-tier cities present tremendous potential. Massive base of small and micro-enterprises in China. According to SAIC, the total number of small and micro-enterprises in China amounted to more than 73 million in 2017, over 36% of which were retail merchants. These merchants could benefit from more direct access to consumers, and are actively trying to tap into e-commerce to grow their businesses given the scale and growth of the mobile internet population. Through innovative technology infrastructure and marketing tools, e-commerce platforms are capable of enabling these merchants to market to the right consumers with measurable return on investments, establish credibility and build consumer trust, better serve consumers' needs and provide personalized products, which will help merchants increase sales and improve efficiency. In addition, with the implementation of Chinese government's rural vitalization policy, rural e-commerce is on the national agenda. Internet companies with strong operational capabilities are working hard to embrace these policy evolvements. Emerging new e-commerce Fueled by these powerful trends, a new form of e-commerce, which is referred to as new e-commerce, is emerging. New e-commerce focuses on providing consumers with fun, interactive, and convenient shopping experiences and value-for-money products. Key characteristics of new e-commerce include Spontaneous shopping The convenience of mobile shopping and payment presents an opportunity for merchants to continuously connect with consumers and enable consumers to make purchases. This creates a multitude of new consumption scenarios and greatly enables consumers to shop anywhere, anytime. Deepened understanding of users the development and integration of technologies such as big data analytics and machine learning have enabled e-commerce platforms to understand their user behaviors and preferences more deeply. Instead of a search-based model where consumers type in keywords to find the products they desire, products are directly displayed and recommended to them, resulting in higher buyer engagement. Social element in shopping behavior. Young generations in China are native users of mobile internet and social networks and are familiar with using internet in nearly every aspect of their lives, including sharing information and experiences and socializing, which has permeated into their shopping behavior. Enhanced Supply C Business Overview We are an innovative and fast-growing new e-commerce platform that provides buyers with value-for-money merchandise and fun and interactive shopping experiences. 
Our Pinduoduo mobile platform offers a comprehensive selection of attractively priced merchandise, featuring a dynamic social shopping experience that leverages social networks as an effective and efficient tool for buyer acquisition and engagement. As a result of our innovative business model, we have been able to quickly expand our buyer base and establish our brand recognition and market position. We are one of the leading Chinese e-commerce players in terms of GMV and the number of total orders. Our GMV in 2017 and the 12-month period ended June 30, 2018 was RMB 141.2 billion and RMB 262.1 billion, 41.8 billion US dollars, respectively. In 2017 and the first quarter of 2018, the number of total orders placed on our Pinduoduo mobile platform reached 4.3 billion and 1.7 billion, respectively. We pioneered an innovative team purchase model on our platform. Buyers can access our platform and make team purchases by either visiting our platform directly or through popular social networks, such as Wixen and QQ. They are encouraged to share product information on such social networks, and invite their friends, family and social contacts to form a shopping team to enjoy the more attractive prices available under the team purchase option. As a result, buyers on our platform actively introduce us to and share products offered on our platform and their shopping experiences with their friends, family and social contacts. New buyers in turn refer our platform to their broader family and social networks, generating low-cost organic traffic and active interactions and leading to exponential growth of our buyer base. In the 12-month periods ended December 31, 2017 and June 30, 2018, the number of active buyers on our platform reached 245 million and 344 million, respectively. Our large and highly active buyer base has helped attract merchants to our platform, and the scale of our sales volume has encouraged merchants to offer even more competitive pricing and customized products and services to buyers, thus forming a virtuous cycle. In the 12-month period ended March 31, 2018, we had over 1 million active merchants on our platform, offering a broad range of product categories. Our team purchase model has transformed online shopping into a dynamic social experience. We have consciously built our platform to resemble a virtual bazaar where buyers browse and explore a full spectrum of products on our platform while interacting with one another. In contrast to the conventional search-based inventory index model, our platform brings out the fun and excitement of discovery and shopping. This embedded social element has fostered a highly engaged user base. In the 12-month periods ended December 31, 2017 and March 31, 2018, Average monthly active users for our mobile app were 65 million and 103 million, respectively. Technology and innovation are at the core of our company. The strong and extensive technology background of our senior management team has led us to the forefront of the e-commerce industry. We have developed our own proprietary technology infrastructure that seamlessly connects our platform with buyers and merchants and supports our business growth. In addition, we have focused on developing our technological strengths in big data analytics, artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities to efficiently design, manage and operate the services and solutions on our platform. We have experienced substantial growth since our inception in 2015. We currently generate revenues primarily from online marketplace services. Our revenues grew from RMB 504.9 million in 2016 to RMB 1,744.1 million, 278.0 million US dollars, in 2017, and grew from RMB 37.0 million in the three months ended March 31, 2017 to RMB 1,384.6 million, 220.7 US dollars, in the same period in 2018. We incurred net loss of RMB 292.0 million and RMB 525.1 million, 83.7 million US dollars, in 2016 and 2017. 
respectively. We incurred net loss of RMB 201.0 million, 32.0 million US dollars, in the three months ended March 31, 2018, compared to net loss of RMB 207.7 million in the three months ended March 31, 2017. Our strengths. We believe that the following strengths contribute to our success and differentiate us from our competitors. Innovative new e-commerce platform with rapid growth. We are an innovative and fast-growing new e-commerce platform. Our Pinduoduo mobile platform is designed to fully integrate with the key features of the emerging new e-commerce to offer a comprehensive selection of value-for-money merchandise and introduce a fun and interactive shopping experience to buyers through our innovative technology and business model. We have experienced exponential growth since our inception in 2015. Our GMV in 2017 and the 12-month period ended June 30, 2018 was RMB 141.2 billion and RMB 262.1 billion, 41.8 billion US dollars, respectively. In 2017 and the first quarter of 2018, the number of total orders placed on our Pinduoduo mobile platform reached 4.3 billion and 1.7 billion, respectively. We leverage social networks as an effective and efficient tool for buyer acquisition and engagement. This feature provides us with low-cost organic traffic, rapid growth of buyer base, and active social interaction as our buyers share their purchase experience and product information with their friends, family and other social contacts. Buyers on our platform actively introduce us and share products offered on our platform through social networks in order to take advantage of attractive lower product prices available under the team purchase option, and new buyers in turn refer our platform to their broader networks of friends and families. This interactive feature also transforms online shopping into a fun and interactive experience. The established trust, similar shopping interests and consumption patterns shared among those buyers and their friends and family members help accelerate the growth of our buyer base while keeping our buyer acquisition costs low. In addition to our marketplace services, we also operated an online direct sales business from which we derived a substantial majority of our revenues from 2015 to 2016. This business no longer generates revenues after we fully transitioned into our current marketplace model in the first quarter of 2017. Our new e-commerce business model has created a snowball effect that led to our exponential growth. The number of our active buyers and active merchants reached approximately 295 million and over 1 million, respectively, in the 12-month period ended March 31, 2018. Value for money merchandise with a strong focus on quality control. Merchants on our platform offer a wide-ranging portfolio of merchandise at attractive prices. Our large and highly active buyer base has helped attract merchants to our platform, and the scale of our sales volume and our ability to enable them to achieve massive sales volume have encouraged merchants to offer more competitive pricing and customized products and services to buyers, thus forming a virtuous cycle. Combined with our operational and cost efficiency, such virtuous cycle allows us to provide highly attractive value-for-money merchandise to our buyers. We implement strict policies and control measures aimed at ensuring the accuracy of product descriptions on our platform. After a merchant undergoes our registration process and is admitted to our platform but before it is allowed to place any merchandise on our platform or launch a sales event, it must make a deposit to guarantee its compliance with our platform's policies and rules, and the amount of such deposit varies depending on merchandise category. Before the product information is posted on our platform, we leverage our artificial intelligence-based screening system to identify potential issues and submit questionable merchandise for further review and verification. After the product information has been posted, our system continues to monitor and conduct semantic analysis on buyer reviews, the results of which are used as input for evaluation of the associated merchant's compliance with our policies. 
If a merchant is found to have violated our policies, we compensate the buyers in accordance with the service agreement with the merchant on our platform. In addition to responding to buyer complaints, our dedicated merchandise control team also conducts randomized test purchases to verify whether product descriptions match the products delivered. A merchant's record of compliance, together with other factors such as its sales volume and buyer feedback and reviews, is taken into account when our platform compiles merchant rankings, which may affect the level of exposure it receives on our platform and in turn affect its sales volume. Highly active buyer base cultivated by a fun and interactive shopping experience. Our buyers explore and purchase value-for-money merchandise through us, and we provide our buyers with a fun and interactive shopping experience. We have consciously built our platform to resemble a virtual bazaar where shoppers browse and explore a full spectrum of products on our platform while interacting with one another, in contrast to the conventional search-based inventory index model. Our buyers can easily share their shopping interests and appealing product information with their friends, family and social contacts and form a team to purchase together. The act of sharing not only brings out the fun and excitement of discovery and shopping, but also enables our buyers to enjoy more attractive prices. While we provide our buyers a fun and interactive shopping experience, the benefit of the scale of sales volume achieved on our platform allows merchants to offer competitive pricing and customized products and services. We believe this innovative feature fosters a highly interactive and enjoyable shopping experience and maintains and drives buyer engagement and loyalty. In the 12 months end to December 31, 2017 and June 30, 2018, the number of active buyers on our platform reached 245 million and 344 million, respectively. Strong commitment to technology. Secure and reliable technology is the foundation of our company. We have created a proprietary technology infrastructure that seamlessly connects our platform with buyers and merchants and supports our business growth. We focus on developing our proprietary technologies catered to our scalable and unique operational needs. Our suite of proprietary technologies include big data analytics, artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities to efficiently design, manage and operate complex services and solutions on our platform, which has powered our exponential growth. For example, we are making progress in leveraging artificial intelligence technologies to generate personalized recommendations for buyers on our platform based on the comprehensive data accumulated, including basic order information as well as behavioral data, such as time spent on browsing and reviewing a particular product and products of similar categories by a buyer. The development of our proprietary technologies has also minimized our reliance on third-party commercial software, reduced our operating costs and given us the flexibility to innovate and rapidly scale our business. Our employees, with an average age of about 26, are passionate about and eager to embrace technological innovations and advancements. As of March 31, 2018, we had a technology team with more than 700 engineers, over 100 of whom focus on algorithm design and development. Many of our engineers have postgraduate degrees and had prior working experience in Google, Microsoft and leading internet companies in China. Our algorithm engineers are fully involved in all critical operational areas, and have thorough understandings of the computational needs of our different business functions. We believe the capabilities and efficiency of our technology talents have given us a significant competitive edge to solidify our leading position in the rapidly evolving industry. Experienced management team with extensive technology and operational background. We believe our growth is largely attributable to the technological and operational prowess of our senior management team, which consists of executives with extensive e-commerce, social networks and engineering background and experience. Our founder and chief executive officer, Mr. Zheng Huang, is a serial entrepreneur who has a deep technology background. Prior to founding our company, 
Mr. Huang founded Shnetti Studio in 2011 to develop and operate online games. Prior to that, Mr. Huang founded Uku.com, a company that operated an online B2C platform for consumer electronics and home appliances, which was subsequently sold in 2010. Mr. Huang started his career at Google's, NASDAQ, Goog, headquarters in 2004 as a software engineer and project manager. Mr. Huang subsequently relocated to China and was part of the team that established Google China. Mr. Huang was trained as a data scientist and has published numerous works on the subject of data mining, including in top peer-reviewed journals, and presented his works in a number of international conferences, such as the ACM Sigmund Conference and International Conference on Machine Learning. We also have a young, driven and strong executive team that has worked with Mr. Huang for over 10 years and has extensive experience in the e-commerce and social networks industries. Our management team's collective experience, strong technology and operational background and entrepreneurial corporate culture have and will continue to pave the way for the successful operation of our business. Our management team also benefits from insights offered by a panel of advisors consisting of prominent business leaders and scholars, including the former president of Goldman Sachs, Mr. John Thornton, current chairman of the board of directors of Kerry Logistics Network, Mr. George Yong Bunyo, and leading artificial intelligence expert, Dr. Chi Lu. We may draw wisdom and expertise from more advisors in the future as our business continues to expand. Our strategies. We intend to pursue the following strategies to further grow our business. Increase our buyer base and engagement. We plan to increase our marketing efforts to attract more buyers to our platform and convert more existing buyers on our platform to active buyers. We will continue to introduce more interactive features on our platform to enhance buyer engagement and experience. We will also continue to improve the diversity of our buyers and penetrate a larger part of the population. Expand merchandise choices and offerings. We will further expand our merchandise choices to provide more diversified products to our buyers. We plan to leverage our large and active buyer base and our brand to attract new merchants and offer new merchandise choices as well as more product offerings within each category on our platform. We also plan to deepen our cooperation with more merchants and help them better understand and serve our buyers. Enhance brand recognition and continue to adhere to strict quality control. We believe that building our brand and strengthening the reputation of our platform is crucial to our continued success. We plan to increase our marketing efforts across online and offline channels to enhance user awareness and recognition of our platform. In addition, we will continue to implement strict quality control measures to foster trust from buyers. Further improve technology capability. We seek to continuously strengthen our technologies to improve the efficiency of our platform. We will continue to develop proprietary software and systems to serve our buyers and merchants, such as streamlined merchant services SaaS systems and standardized quality control systems. We aim to achieve, through these technology improvement initiatives, better buyer experience, deeper understanding by our merchants of their target buyers, and improved productivity and efficiency of both merchants and us. Pursue select strategic investment and expansion opportunities. We also plan to selectively pursue strategic investments, alliances and acquisition opportunities that are complementary to our business and operations. With the right opportunity, we may seek to expand into international markets and bring our products to more buyers. Attract and retain talents. We intend to continue devoting substantial resources to seek top talents, in particular engineers having strong technology backgrounds and prior experience in large leading internet companies. We are dedicated to providing employees with diversified work environment and a wide range of career development opportunities. We will continue to invest significant resources in employee career development and training opportunities. 
our new e-commerce platform. We are an innovative and fast-growing new e-commerce platform. We are one of the leading Chinese e-commerce players in terms of GMV and the number of total orders. We conduct our business primarily through our Pinduoduo mobile platform. Buyers come to our platform to browse, explore and purchase attractive value for money merchandise from third-party merchants. The scale of our sales volume and our ability to enable them to achieve massive sales volume have attracted merchants to our platform and encouraged them to offer more competitive pricing and customized products and services to buyers. Since our inception, the number of our active buyers and active merchants grew exponentially and reached approximately 295 million and over 1 million, respectively, in the 12-month period ended March 31, 2018. In 2017 and the first quarter of 2018, The number of total orders placed on our Pinduoduo mobile platform reached 4.3 billion and 1.7 billion, respectively. Our platform offers individual purchase and team purchase options. A buyer who opts for the individual purchase option places the order or transacts with a merchant on an individual basis to get speedier delivery, whereas team purchase buyers combine their purchase orders for a particular merchandise with other buyers to enjoy a lower price. Merchants on our platform typically require at least two buyers to team up in order to take advantage of the team purchase option. Substantially all of the transactions in 2017 were team purchases. We cooperate with leading third-party online payment service providers in China, including Wixin Pay, QQ Wallet, AliPay, and Apple Pay, and enable our buyers to make payment for their purchases easily and efficiently. We do not depend on any particular provider for such services. Upon an individual purchase order or once a team purchase order is formed on our platform and confirmed to the applicable merchant, the merchant will handle the fulfillment, select the most suitable third-party logistics service provider and arrange for the delivery of products to the buyers. Our mobile platform layout is designed to provide a buyer-friendly and exciting browsing and shopping experience that resembles a virtual bazaar. Below are screenshots of our mobile app interface. Graphic With the seamless integration of our platform with major social networks in China, such as Wixin and QQ, our buyers can quickly and smoothly find other potential buyers to form a team either directly on our app or through sending a team purchase invitation or sharing product information or their Pinduoduo shopping experiences with their friends, family and social contacts. The active sharing is then rewarded by the attractive purchase price offered through the team purchase option. The embedded social element has also helped foster a highly engaged user base. In the 12-month periods ended December 31, 2017 and March 31, 2018, average monthly active users for our mobile app were 65 million and 103 million, respectively. Our team purchase model. We pioneered an innovative team purchase model on our platform. For each product on our platform, a buyer can choose between buying the product individually or initiating or joining a team purchase. Team purchasers typically enjoy a lower price, but the purchase order will only be confirmed once a team is formed. A buyer can initiate a team purchase and share product information on social networks such as Wixin and QQ to invite his or her social contacts to form a shopping team. The buyer's social contacts can in turn refer our platform to their social contacts easily and thus reach even more potential buyers. After initiating a team purchase, a buyer may also wait for other buyers on our platform to join the team purchase. Alternatively, a buyer can choose to join an active team purchase listed on our platform. which is initiated by other buyers who may or may not be his or her social contacts after a team purchase is initiated it will have 24 hours to meet the minimum team size mandated by the merchant as soon as the minimum number of buyers is reached the team purchase will be confirmed if the minimum team size is not reached within 24 hours the team purchase order will be canceled 
and all payments made by the buyers will be refunded. The chart and screenshot below illustrate the steps to complete a team purchase on our platform and the key features of our team purchase option. Graphic. Graphic. The team purchase option allows us to acquire buyers effectively and efficiently and expand our buyer base organically. Buyers refer our platform to their social contacts in order to take advantage of the more attractive team purchase prices compared to the individual purchase option. The new buyers in turn introduce our platform to even more buyers. The established trust, similar shopping interests and consumption patterns shared among our buyers and their friends, family members and other social network contacts help enhance buyer engagement, grow our buyer base while keeping buyer acquisition costs low. After the buyers receive the products, they may return to the product description pages and leave reviews on the purchased products and their shopping experiences. Our buyers. Direct buyer traffic to our platform is primarily generated from word-of-mouth referrals by our existing buyers as well as the effect of our marketing campaigns. A portion of our buyer traffic comes from our user recommendation or product introduction feature which buyers can share with friends or contacts through social networks such as Wixen and QQ. In addition, buyers may also access our platform and make purchases via our mini-program within Wixen directly. Mini Program is a light feature embedded in Wixen to facilitate discovery and download of standalone mobile apps. It is an enhancement of Wixen official accounts and is designed to connect service providers with mobile users. This embedded feature is currently provided to service providers for free, and the user interface of our Mini Program is substantially identical to our own mobile app with the same product offerings by the same merchants. Therefore, the manner in which a buyer accesses our platform does not affect the way in which we derive our revenues. Due to the nature of our business model, which resembles a dynamic and interactive shopping experience, it is impracticable for us to accurately bifurcate and quantify the buyer traffic generated directly through our platform and through social networks. Therefore, during our daily operations, we focus more on the GMV on our platform as a whole in the seamless user experience across different access points, and believe that the final purchase destination cannot be used to reflect the significance of social networks and our Pinduoduo mobile app to our business operations. For non-perishable products sold on our platform, we require our merchants to strictly abide by a 7-day return period policy. The buyers can return the products within that period so long as the product is in its original condition and any usage does not affect the merchant's ability to resell. Once a buyer submits a return request, the applicable merchant will first review and process the request. In the event that the request cannot be resolved within 48 hours or a dispute escalates, we will be involved to resolve such dispute. Our merchandise selection. We provide a comprehensive suite of product categories on our platform, including apparel, shoes, bags, mother and child care products, food and beverage, fresh produce, electronic appliances, furniture and household goods, cosmetics and other personal care items, sports and fitness items and auto accessories. Our GMV in 2017 and the 12-month period ended June 30, 2018 was RMB 141.2 billion and RMB 262.1 billion, 41.8 billion US dollars, respectively. In the 12-month period ended March 31, 2018, our platform had over 1 million active merchants on our platform. Merchants on our platforms at the price for their products. We encourage merchants to offer the most attractive prices for merchandise sold on our platform. Two listed prices typically apply to each merchandise, one for the individual purchase option and a lower price for the team purchase option. Due to the large sales volume generated on our platform, some of the merchants on our platform also set aside exclusive product supplies for us and offer the most competitive pricing for our buyers. At the same time, 
we implement strict policies and control measures aimed at ensuring the accuracy of product descriptions on our platform. After a merchant undergoes our registration process and is admitted to our platform but before it is allowed to place any merchandise on our platform or launch a sales event, it must make a deposit to guarantee its compliance with our platform's policies and rules, and the amount of such deposit varies depending on merchandise category. Before the product information is posted on our platform, we leverage our artificial intelligence-based screening system to identify potential issues and submit questionable merchandise for further review and verification. After product information has been posted, our system continues to monitor and conduct semantic analysis on buyer reviews, the results of which are used as input for evaluation of the associated merchant's compliance with our policies. If a merchant is found to have violated our policies, we compensate the buyers in accordance with a service agreement with the merchant on our platform. In addition to responding to buyer complaints, our dedicated merchandise control team also conducts randomized test purchases to verify whether product descriptions match the products delivered. A merchant's record of compliance, together with other factors such as its sales volume and buyer feedback and reviews, is taken into account when our platform compiles merchant rankings, which may affect the level of exposure it receives on our platform and in turn affect its sales volume. Our services and values to merchants. Our merchants benefit from our broad buyer reach and the high sales volume on our platform as well as value-added services such as online marketing services, data analysis and advice. We provide online marketing services to help merchants promote their merchandise more effectively. Listings of merchandises offered by paying merchants are prioritized and displayed more prominently than others in the search results. In addition, we strive to leverage big data analytics and artificial intelligence capabilities to optimize the entire supply chain from buyers to manufacturers and provide solutions. The large scale of our business gives us extensive data, enabling us to better understand and serve our buyers and to better predict sales volume of certain merchandise. Such feedback on consumer preference and potential sales volume could provide merchants with manufacturing capability with better visibility of demand of their products to achieve better inventory planning and higher operational efficiency. In some cases, manufacturers could further provide personalized products that can cater to buyers' needs. As a pioneer of the new e-commerce trend, we are an early contributor to the Internet Plus Agriculture Initiative. By applying our team purchase model to agricultural products, we are able to quickly identify and aggregate end consumers' preferences and directly channel our insights to farmers and producers, eliminating layers of inefficiencies in the agricultural supply chain. Our platform directly connects urban consumers with farmers and producers in rural areas and offers varieties of fresh produce shipped directly from production bases. Moreover, arable land is relatively spread out in China, resulting in scattered agricultural production. Our PIN or team purchase business model improves the operational efficiencies in production and logistics links by aggregating demand and supply data, thereby allowing producers to have better market visibility and focus on providing more competitive pricing and more comprehensive product offerings at scale. In 2017, we enabled and supported a total of approximately 48,000 merchants located in 730 national-level poverty-stricken counties in China to sell their agricultural products on our platform. We plan to step up our efforts and provide more platform-wide support to such merchants on our platform. Technology Our smooth operation and rapid growth are supported by our proprietary technology. Our leading technology team, coupled with our proprietary technology infrastructure and the large volume of data generated and collected on our platform each day, have created opportunities for continuous improvements in our technology capabilities, which in turn draws new talents to join us. As of March 31, 2018, we had a technology team with more than 700 engineers, over 100 of whom focus on
algorithm design and development. Many of our engineers have postgraduate degrees and had prior working experience in Google, Microsoft and leading internet companies in China. Key components of our technology include Big Data Analytics Platform We build our big data analytics capability upon our distributed computing infrastructure that can efficiently handle complex computing tasks of billions of data instances and millions of analytical dimensions. Based on buyers' purchase behaviors and usage patterns, we leverage big data analytics and artificial intelligence technology to optimize our operation and enhance user experience. For example, we not only look into the basic order information but also buyer behavioral data such as how long such buyers spent on browsing and reviewing a particular product and products of similar categories. We then strive to build predictive and statistical models based on the big data we have accumulated. The seamless collaboration among our technology and operational teams, together with our big data analytics capability, give us a significant edge and operational efficiency. Our algorithm engineers are fully involved in all critical operational areas. They have thorough understanding of the computational needs from different business segments, and are therefore capable of providing technological support to address diversified needs in operating our business. Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning With access to a massive amount of data, we believe we are in a unique position to capitalize on the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies in the new e-commerce arena. To date, we have applied various artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies on our platform in multiple areas to enhance user experience. For example, we are gradually applying artificial intelligence technology to establish user profiling and model iteration, which may enable us to provide more accurate recommendation of products to our buyers to maximize consumer satisfaction. Our deep learning capabilities accelerate our innovations in areas such as image recognition, speech recognition, text and voice interaction, item recommendation, and automated question answering. Data security and protection. We have established a comprehensive security system, supported by our network situational awareness and risk management system, that spans from the individual end users across our entire network, covering our platforms, data and services. Our backend security system is capable of handling hundreds of millions of instances of malicious attacks each day to safeguard the security of our platform and to protect the privacy of our buyers and merchants. We have a data security team of engineers and technicians dedicated to protecting the security of our data. We have also adopted strict data protection policy to ensure the security of our proprietary data. We collect anonymized, non-confidential user behavior and pattern data based on their interactions with our platform through our social networks partners, which have been pre-processed to exclude user identity or other sensitive information. We encrypt confidential personal information we gather from our own platform. To ensure data security and avoid data leakage, we have established stringent internal protocols under which we grant classified access to confidential personal data only to limited employees with strictly defined and layered access authority. We strictly control and manage the use of data within our various departments and do not share data with external third parties, nor do we cooperate with third-party vendors in data analytics efforts. Marketing We have been able to build a large base of loyal buyers primarily through word-of-mouth referrals via social networks. To enhance our brand awareness, we also conduct online and offline marketing and brand promotion activities, including sponsoring high-profile shows and events and running commercials on national television networks. For example, in 2017, we became the official sponsor of Sing. China, a popular reality television singing variety show in China. Furthermore, we offer coupons from time to time to stimulate buyer engagement on our platform. 
In addition, we host various offline marketing activities to merchants to promote our brand image and the value of our online marketplace services. Competition The e-commerce industry in China is intensely competitive. Our current or potential competitors include i. Major e-commerce companies in China, 2. Major traditional and brick-and-mortar retailers in China, and 3. Retail companies in China focused on specific product categories. We compete primarily on the basis of our large and active buyer base. The fun and interactive shopping experiences on our platform. Our ability to seamlessly connect e-commerce with social networks. Pricing of products sold on our platform. Our ability to attract and retain merchants. Product quality and selection. Brand recognition and reputation. And the experience and expertise of our management team. We believe that we are well positioned to effectively compete on the basis of the factors listed above. However, our competitors may have longer operating histories, greater brand recognition, better supplier relationships, stronger infrastructure, larger user bases or greater financial, technical or marketing resources than we do, and they may also offer team purchase or other similar models on their platforms. Seasonality We experience seasonality in our business, reflecting a combination of seasonal fluctuations in internet usage and traditional retail seasonality patterns. For example, we generally experience less buyer traffic and purchase orders during the Chinese New Year holiday season in the first quarter of each year. Furthermore, sales are significantly higher in the fourth quarter of each calendar year than in the preceding three quarters. E-commerce companies in China hold special promotional campaigns on November 11th and December 12th each year that boost sales in the fourth quarter relative to other quarters, and we hold a special promotional campaign in the fourth quarter of each year to celebrate the anniversary of the founding of our platform. Overall, the historical seasonality of our business has been relatively mild due to our rapid growth but may increase further in the future. Due to our limited operating history, the seasonal trends that we have experienced in the past may not apply to, or be indicative of, our future operating results. Intellectual property. As of March 31, 2018, we own 16 computer software copyrights in China relating to various aspects of our operations and maintained approximately 190 trademark registrations inside China and 26 trademark registrations outside China. We also had approximately 40 trademark applications inside China. Our registered domain names include www.pinduoduo.com, among others.